Hola Tom, hola Steve, tengan un excelente programa, ustedes siempre me hacen reír, vale, están locos. Welcome everybody to Masters of Profundication. I am Tom Witham. I don't think you were ready. I don't know. You didn't seem ready. You you paused a little too long. You try to remember what you're going to say. No, I'm Steve, I, I, I'm Steve Files. <laughs> wow, that's a long name. Yeah, yeah. My my tombstone's going to be an epic monument just because of that. An epoch. Epoch. I think that's a unit of time. Whereas epic is a badass song. We have we have an epic podcast coming soon. Goddamn right. It's going to be epic, but listeners will have to wait. <laughs> They're not used to that, though. So, <laughs> Hey, listen, we're getting a new Tool album in August, and it's only been 13 years since the last one. So, Yes, quality over quantity. That's what we're about. I agree. I, um, oh, Maynard, who is the singer for Tool, made a really good point. And basically, he doesn't owe the fans anything. The fans go crazy, and they they say stupid things. And he's basically like, what the hell do I owe you? Money. Nothing. Cash. Fame. His lifestyle. His freedom to make more music and not have to work eight hours a day at a job. Yeah, but he does. <laughs> he has his own winery. Does he squish the grapes himself? Yes, he does. Like he steps on them? Yeah, well, he uses a press, but he does the work. Well, then he's not doing shit. The, the press is doing the work. Well, somebody's got to push the button. Because that's sure him. The... Because he's standing there pressing the button. Like he's, he's, he is. He's, he's doing payroll. He's he's pulling people in for a meeting about their uh, annual reviews and their <laughs> well, pieces I don't... of flair. <laughs> Look, I noticed you only have three pieces of flair. I'm going to put that down in my report. I'm sorry. Uh, your DPS report? Yeah. You need a new uh, cover sheet for your uh, TP- TPS. Oh, TPS. T- T- was it TPS? Because I think DPS is just deep penetration sucker. <laughs> Which is a whole genre of pornography <laughs> listed that you can look up now. <laughs> Do it. Deep uh, penetration sucker. Deep penetration. Oh, sealer. Deep penetrating sealer. Yeah, that sounds about right. Is that like a marine biology porn? Okay. I just looked up deep penetration sucker on Google. You know what the top thing is? Dolomite. Cervix penetration. Ten things you need to know. (laughs) I I don't need to know what the internet says I live in. (laughs) Totally. Oh, there's an Amazon thing. I'm I'm clicking on it. I got to see what that is. (laughs) If it's not a giant (laughs) dildo, then... (laughs) I can't take it. (laughs) Oh, God. It killed him. Well, let me... I'm just going to show you what it is. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> oh, my God! Um, That's uh, very bohemian. It's only $67. You got to buy it. <laughs> and then don't explain it to anybody that sees it. Not your wife, not nobody. Just, just set it on your table. 
<laughs> conversation starter. Oh, I got to get away from this. And before then, yes. And then invite a bunch of people over, but only one at a time. <laughs> Welcome in. Yeah. Say, hey, I have a beer in the fridge. Oh, thanks. I, what's that doing <laughs> at your table? And then take the beer and use it to pop the top off. Uh-huh. Oh, man. Uh, so I don't recommend anybody <laughs> type in deep penetration sucker and look at the, uh, the second link there that is by Amazon. Uh, if you want to, feel free. <clears throat> it's it's exact it's exactly what you're thinking of. So he probably don't need to. <laughs> uh, that's good. I, I'm I'm pretty pleased now that that is part of my Amazon search history. I like um, curly. It was it was very progressive. No more. You know how Amazon keeps... bowing to the male standard of beauty. No, no. You know how Amazon keeps your. Uh, your search results thing like <laughs> your viewing history uh my wife and i share an account on amazon and uh, that's not that's now gonna be there i, I like the fact that you... it's not just amazon now when you go to google it's going to be there now when you go to anything with a <laughs> yeah the algorithm yeah the algorithm's gonna... <laughs> oh, oh this is terrible i don't know how to like i don't know how to get rid of my amazon search history <laughs> this is the beginning this is like Aren't there Europeans fighting to purge their history from Google? You could join that fight. You can be the American version. Uh, let's see. It's let's like, see. Uh, Your Honor, I just Googled deep penetration sucker, and I thought it was going to be innocent <laughs> and normal, and it wasn't, and now I'm hounded <laughs> by <laughs> synthetic pubic hair no matter where I go. <laughs> I'm serious. I, get, I have to get rid of this before my wife sees it. <laughs> it's like, all oh, jokes aside, I'm kind of laughing, but I'm kind of dying inside. I can uh, really cry. Oh, there it is. Browsing history. Oh, my God. Get rid of this. <laughs> oh, there it is. This is the first thing. <laughs> God dang. Oh. You can play me. It's okay. I'll take it. I'll be the... Review. Review. Okay. <sighs> okay. So let me let me just show you what I've... Re- this is my viewing history on Amazon. You ready? No, nah, no. I don't think I'm ready. I okay. don't think I'm ever going to be so ready. There's the deep penetrating sucker. Uh, there's the... Uh, some shoes. I got a Black and Decker Dustbuster. Chips oh. on DVD, the complete series. I know what you're using that Dustbuster for, and you're sick. I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> uh, and you're using it while you're watching Chips. I'm just very confident <laughs> at that point. Uh, Apple Watch. Eric Estrada. Uh, and socks. Uh. And uh, nearly life-sized lower half of a woman. <laughs> 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 oh, okay, I think I've removed that from my viewing history. I think the, I think saying oh. half is generous too. It was it was a very specific zone, and that was it. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna buy a couple of those. It's what it's when you watch a Christmas story and you got that leg lamp. You got what was left over. <laughs> oh, what I wouldn't give to get like one of those and two of those leg lamps and. <laughs> Just what I wouldn't give to have the parts make my own woman. Uh, Amazon Prime. <laughs> make all. Dream, making <laughs> dreams come true. So we've been, what, two months since the last episode? Uh, it's been like a week or so, hasn't it? Yes, yeah, so a week has been included <laughs> in that time frame. Um, yeah, we just haven't been able to hook up, whether it's... Uh, we haven't done a lot of overtime on Saturdays now, but <clears throat> we just haven't been able to... Just one thing... Or another. Well, we can we can let the cat out of the bag. It's been because we have been scientifically sitting down to formulate minute by minute exactly how we're going to structure an episode so that there's no frivolity or wasted time 
Yes, this is 100% scripted. This is all scripted. We had this ready. Can and are you not entertained? Yeah, you, you better the fuck be. Every minute of every day has been poured into making <clears> this episode. <throat> the cream of the crop. This is our Log Night episode. Um, speaking of, I remember a year ago thinking, or coming to the conclusion that uh, Avengers Endgame was going to come out in the same month as the final season of Game of Thrones. And now it's happened. It's happened. I've seen every episode of Game of Thrones so far, and I've seen Endgame. How about you? Yes, that is true, too. Uh, we're not going to spoil anything for anybody, right? Well, except for Darth Vader kills the Night King. Darth Vader actually beams down from the Enterprise. I did. Nobody even said Star Wars, and I went straight to Star Wars. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm wearing a Star Wars short shirt. Short. That's subliminal. It was subliminal. I am I've, sporting my Star Wars shirt. I was going to say Thanos killed the Night King, and then I screwed it up because that's what I do. Well, Darth Vader's pretty cool, too. That's he true. gets he, Darth Vader gets beamed down from... Uh, By Scotty. Darth, the TARDIS. Yep. And, um, you know, if you believe in that sort of thing, uh, there's a universe where that actually happened. Multiverse theory. Multiverse. All the possibilities are... Infinite true. possibilities. That's right. So in one of those universes, I've I've purchased a gigantic pocket pussy <laughs> on Amazon Prime. <laughs> and said, fuck it, my wife's going to like it whether she wants to or not. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, a very good description. A gigantic pocket pussy. <laughs> well... well would it go uh, in your pocket if it is gigantic? Is it a pocket? You can probably, point? you might be able to squish it down to fit into like the the pocket in the front of a hoodie sweatshirt. It's a backpack pussy. Let's. Uh, let's. It's luggage. Yeah. It's a luggage pussy. It's a. Don't question me. Don't look at my bag. It's like one of those things that you would expect to see sitting next to somebody on a subway. <laughs> Not in the bag, just out. Yeah, just yeah. Uh, sir, it's you're Gertrude. Say hi. <laughs> your uh, female pelvic region has come unstowed. <laughs> you shut up. She has a name, you know. Can introduce it to Saki. Hello, Gertrude. <laughs> I would very much like to meet you. <laughs> That's it's cracking because it's crusty. <laughs> uh, hmm. So, uh, Endgame, Marvel's movie there, The Avengers. That's right. Really good hour longer than it needed to be. I, I'm i going to disagree with you on that. I, just just no. because I feel like I have to in order to make it a conversation. No, I'm going to say no. I don't allow it. We, <laughs> we were talking about seeing it tomorrow, taking the girls to see it. And she and uh, <laughs> the wife was like, because um, I've already seen it. And she's like, are they going to be like engaged? Is there going to be enough going on where they can get it? And I was like, yeah, there's a lot of dialogue and stuff. There's some down, you know, down valleys. You want to call it? I don't know. Sure. There's, there's <laughs> there are some moments where there's pointless dialogue, but <laughs> I liked it. I, I thought well, that it could it was- use a little more time. More dialogue? No, just a couple more scenes that would explain a couple more things. There was no explaining. Look, it was time travel. Go back to our first episode, the tropes episode. I think we talked about time travel. Time travel, yeah, we did. Yeah, at the very least, we did a whole episode of time travel later. Time travel back to when that episode aired. Yes. And listen. You know our feelings on it. 
time travel makes everything fall apart. But if you can ignore it and you concentrate on the fun ride and the, you know, this is the movie where they're doing the send off for all the main characters and they had to do the moments and the characterization. Fine. Good. I get you. Try to nail down the details of now there's alternate timelines and whatnot. Uh, it's going to give you a headache. Yeah. Just don't think about it. Just don't think about it. Kind of like Back to the Future. <clears throat> yes. Back to the Future was fun romp where time travel was the vehicle, not the point. So it works. Right. The second you start thinking about it, it starts sounding pretty stupid. It all falls apart. But more and more stuff is getting like that. A lot of the stuff that we like is getting to a point where just don't don't try to make too much out of it. Like there are serious movies that you can watch that are yeah, they concentrate on continuity and things um that don't have like high action Mm-hmm. They're just like thrillers or dramas or something like that. That, <clears throat> like, the worst continuity scene is where, like, a glass full of water on the table is going to be half empty sometimes, and sometimes it'll have be full. And you know, different scenes, and you can look at it and be like, "Ooh, look, they messed up on that." Yeah, it's in reality, was off, it's back on. Yeah. Uh, but most of these superhero movies are designed do hit certain points in certain places. Right. I was watching guardians of the galaxy today with the girls and there's just like continuity wise with characters acting differently in different scenes. It's, I I don't want to say it's unbearable, but as soon as you start paying attention to it, it's easy to be like, Oh, that's so dumb. Cause I love the guardians of the galaxy, but there's um, just just as an example, this is just one small example in Guardians of the Galaxy when Rocket is within like a five minute span of the movie. He goes from not caring about the world being blown up to now all of a sudden nobody's going to blow up my world. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Like it, and and if you examine that scene or those that arc right there, it's actually kind of glaring that mm-hmm. there there are people that like uh, Gamora and they're all standing around talking about their plan to get the uh, infinity stone back um, from Ronan Ronan. <clears throat> and they, they, they have these in, inspirational speeches and they, they, if I, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it with my friends and yada, yada, yada. And like almost in the very next scene, Gamora's like, this is a stupid plan. <laughs> And it's just it like there's a lot of growth between those scenes. You know, oh yeah, away, oh, that's yeah. like that's like five days worth of mulling over it, and uh, yeah, right, but, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, as a as a movie watcher, you're watching that, and it it hits certain comedic strides. It, there there's like certain points that it has to hit, mm-hmm. and you're watching it. And if you're watching it, just like hey, this is a great popcorn movie. Ooh, yay, it's great. It, it is. It's good. But the second you start examining it, it's like, ugh. <laughs> ugh. Well, that's why you watch it a superhero movie. You have to suspend like, disbelief. Suspend disbelief to the heart. Like my thing with superhero movies, sci-fi, stuff like that has always been I can ignore a lot of the stupid little things that don't make sense as long as the characters are good, as long as it's engaging and it's interesting. Like for me, just as bad as bad plots, you know, plot holes, stuff like that is mindless action where I'm just in there like there's an explosion. There's people sh- being shot up and stabbed and blown up and 
whatever and it's just boring like there's no differentiation it's like oh no look they're getting chased and they're gonna go over a cliff but of course they're not gonna die because it's only a quarter of the way through the movie so oh they lived Woo, i wonder what's gonna happen so i need something i need something to get me invested which the marvel movies do you know yeah they they do this build up you're like okay this movie is not self-contained it's going to have impact on a next movie you know three movies from now the avengers is coming out and this is going to mean something in that so it's going to end on a cliffhanger or whatever like i will always remember watching the first uh mummy movie you know with brendan fraser being really pleasantly surprised like wow this is actually kind of a fun kind of funny interesting movie yeah and then the second one came out and i was bored to fucking tears yeah i i distinctly remember i saw that one time in the theater sitting there going holy crap oh look they're running again oh they're fighting again it's the same villain the same heroes it's the same exact thing it's it was so cookie cutter that i was just i was absolutely completely bored to tears and i walked out of that thinking i just wasted my time and that was my beginning of the end of my innocence or something i guess <laughs> where i like up until that point i was like yeah big blow up action movies i distinctly remember that being the point where i was like i just watched one of the most action-filled movies i've ever seen and i was bored off my ass the entire time yeah it's because you needed something else or because they just... It was just too much of the same. Not enough. It wasn't... There was no investment. There was no sense of danger. I, you knew exactly that the heroes were going to walk away unscathed and the bad guys were going to get the justice. There was no mystery. There was nothing unique about it. There was no hook. It was just mindless action. Yeah. And that's what I can't take. So if Avengers Endgame, lots of action, but I was able to, to suspend all the all the crap all the for the moments the moments made it worthwhile them going back to the past was goofy but you got to connect with all these old movies you saw and it was kind of cool you know right some parts were better than others like tony started reuniting with his dad i was like yeah okay whatever i mean who gave that big a shit about the dad i i don't know he's a bit player in a few movies and that was about it but yeah cap fighting cap or revisiting the battle for new york or, you know, all the different things they went back to in the past, most of those were actually kind of fun and kind of cool. Yeah, I agree. Um, but it was kind of like the end of an era. And, it was really the end of an era. And I feel like sometimes when I'm watching the Game of Thrones episodes or something, and I'm like, wow, it, I, that episode felt short. Mm -hmm. And it's because I know that the end is coming. And I'm, I'm almost like wishing that they'd put meaningless, you know, atmospheric shots in there for no reason than <laughs> to lengthen the episodes yeah and just said i don't want to end yeah it, it is it's in and i felt that way with endgame like through all the dialogue i felt myself wanting more even though it really wouldn't have helped the movie at all yeah. it would have helped me sit there longer thinking like i don't want this to go away i don't know i don't want this to end and, and like i said the same with game of thrones these episodes the the season is short already the episodes are a little bit longer than they normally are but i still feel like they're short um mm -hmm. i just don't want it to end and, and thankfully we're gonna get the prequels but they're not gonna feature the same, same characters it's i'm i'm really hoping that they're able to capture the same things that... that's gonna be iffy because the prequels are loosely based on things George R. R. Martin has conceived of, but nothing he sat down and wrote and plotted. So we're going to be, I don't, I'm not even sure who's going to be doing the prequels. If it's the same two guys. No, they're, they're doing, uh, I think they're doing a star Wars trilogy or a star Wars movie. So whatever the prequels are going to be, it's going to be a complete crapshoot. Like we, we will have, you know, we'll, 
it'll be some of the same kind of lore, same kind of world. But other than that, your game, your average Game of Thrones fan now, we don't know. It's not like, yeah, we can expect more of the things we loved. It's like, what the hell are we going to get? Is it going to be a weak invitation? It's going to be its whole new unique thing? Is it going to actually hit the nail on the head and be amazing? Like, it's it's completely up in the air. Well, it's I think it's hard for those epic television shows. And yes, I use the word epic. <laughs> well, it's... What is it? Can't say. What is the, it? The real thing. Uh, anyway, I, I think like Westworld, for example, hmm. they built a world that you wanted to be in. They built a world that you wanted to be a part of. And then like, I'm not going to say that the second season was terrible, but it was nowhere near as good as the first season. No, they doubled down on the convoluted part. Like they're like, Ooh, this is, this messed people up in the first season with the timelines, not time travel, but timelines. So they, they like, I'm not going to say double down. They tripled down on it for the second right. season. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we might get that with uh, the Game of Thrones spinoff because they've already cast a few people. Um, and I thought their casting, the big name that they've cast is a little bit questionable because she's she's not the uh, the best actress in the world. Who and is it? It's, uh, she's the girl that's in the ring. Um, the original one? or Yeah, not Taylioni. It's, uh, but she... Naomi Watts? Naomi Watts, yeah. They so they've cast Naomi. Yeah, I I mean, I I don't think she's terrible, and it's not that she's a woman. I I think that you know, I feel like is she's American? Is she an American actress? No, she's she's British, British or South African or Australian. You know, one of those non-American English-speaking ones, one Uh, of those mongrel English-speaking countries. I'm gonna look that up, like England. (laughs) But yeah, it's. It's always like you're taking something that everybody loves and you're doing the like not even like a side story, not a continuation, a prequel, which is always spotty at best. I remember Battlestar Galactica, which I still maintain the last couple of seasons were utter shit, but whatever. Yeah, garbage. People still, people still loved it enough that they did that Caprica prequel series. I personally never even bothered to watch it because I was like with prequels, I was like, what? You know how it's going to end. I just I need to have a mystery. I need to have something that's going to keep a cliffhanger going and not just, Ooh, this person is having a fight with his wife. What's going to happen. I mean, overall where the series is going, we know where the series is going. Yeah. We know exactly how it's going to end. So I always have a problem with prequels. Having said that there's some awesome prequels out there. There are rogue. There's a rogue one. Great prequel. Yep. Agreed. Um, there was the attack of the clones, like the king of the prequels. That- <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I couldn't get through that one. But <laughs> hey, listen, the Phantom Menace isn't that bad of a movie. The last ten minutes are pretty good. I'll see myself out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Darth Maul's a good bad guy. Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. The last ten minutes when that fight happened. Uh Qui-Gon is the best Jedi ever. The only true Jedi. And then he dies. Or it's a conspiracy. He. Or does he? No, they had to knock him off. It was Yoda calling that hit. Yeah, because Yoda's a terrible Jedi. He's he a, a bad guy. He's a manipulator. He's a dictator. That's right. The Jedi were the bad guys. <clears throat> Convince take, me wrong. Yeah, tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, but yeah, so pre- what the hell were we talking about? Yeah, we were talking. We were just kind of going over the whole Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
so I, I have hope for this new prequel for Game of Thrones, just because it's gonna it's supposed to be in a completely different part of the world, dealing with storylines we had no it, knowledge of whatsoever. It's prequel I, in name only. By the way, Naomi Watts is an English actress. That's what I said the first time, I think. So yeah, called it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, Naomi Watts, Taylioni, Mulholland Drive. Yeah, oh, that's such a bad movie. Yeah, but she gets all kinds of naked, so it's pretty good. <laughs> Naomi Watts or Taylor Leone? Because that was Naomi Watts, right? Naomi Watts. I don't think Taylor Leone's ever gotten naked in anything. Well, let's see what Google has to say. She looked really good in Bad Boys. I remember that. How do you spell her name? <laughs> Taylor Leone. What are you Googling? Taylor Leone's titties. What are you doing? Yes. What are you doing? You dirty deviant. And then in five seconds, Taylor Leone's naked breast. And then the pop up. Would you like a. Backpack pussy. <laughs> Backpack pussy. I love it. Uh, all right. If you ever wanted to see any tail. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, okay. Uh, all right. That's Photoshop. That's Photoshop. That's definitely Photoshop. <clears throat> so she's been Photoshopped naked quite a bit. Good enough. What in God's name is wrong with people? Oh, my wow. God. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot Drop of Photoshop. It. Yeah, just I, I have to get rid of this. I have to stop looking at that kind. Of... Anyway, now you don't. Yeah, it's whatever. So that brings me to an interesting point. <clears throat> um, have you? Can you think of an actor or actress who fell off a cliff? <laughs> How did? Why is there a picture of a chick with a dick? But I Google Taylor <laughs> What's wrong with the world? Well. See, that's that's the pitfalls of the internet. What? what now happened? you're gonna now you're gonna spend the next twenty minutes looking at pictures of chicks with dicks. Nope, I'm done. Done. Full stop. Cut it out right there. <laughs> it's there. It's burned in my head. I don't. Do you know who else was cast for the Game of Thrones prequel? Taylor. Taylor. John John Travolta. <laughs> yeah, you try to bring. You're just really trying to bring it back, aren't you? Yeah, I am. <laughs> That's good. I appreciate that. Actually, you do me a favor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, start looking up John Travolta nude photos. No, I, I really don't <laughs> want to. Please, please don't make me. Uh, so anyway. So yes, John Travolta is a poster boy for our topic this week, right? Our topic this week is. Uh, do we have a name for? It? Is there an is there an actual name for this phenomenon? It, you know what? I tried to do some research on it, and it was kind of hard to... Like, I sat down to try to type in a phrase. I don't know what I... I, I typed in disappointing follow-ups, and that came up with, like, music albums. I don't know. Just actors who hit the plateau and then fell off the cliff is what we kind of described it as. Yeah. As an example... <clears throat> so, John Travolta... John Travolta, although he probably... I don't know. John Travolta is way better. I like that. So John Travolta. It sounds like he's doing something. <laughs> That's a verb. John Voltron. John John Tra <laughs> Trevino. Uh, Him and Tom Cruise are forming together to make the giant Scientologist. Ooh, does it? Is there? Scientologron. Activate. <laughs> I was about to say maybe it has something to do with Scientology, but no. Tom Cruise has been wildly successful his entire career. I don't know as he's made a stinker. Yeah, he's movie. never gone off the... Well, he's made stinkers, but he's never gone off the cliff. Uh, Oblivion. Was he in Oblivion? Yeah, and I never saw it, but I heard people say it was good. Oh, all right. I was just trying to think of stinkers. Going with... um, What has Tom Cruise been in that's been a stinker? Uh, 
a Valkyrie that bomb, didn't it? Well, I don't think so. Maybe it's that not was Stinker, but I never saw it. But you didn't. Oh, it was a pretty good movie. Was it Valkyrie? Yeah, and um, I love Night and Day. Never saw that either. With Cameron Diaz? Yeah, no, I never did. Stop what you're doing right now. Go watch Night and Day. Magnolia. Oh, okay, there you go. Yep, you got <laughs> me. You got me. Yeah. <laughs> That is a bad movie. Oh, my God. See, that one I still never saw. If you go back a few episodes, if, for all you people that are religiously re-listening to our old episodes, and I know you exist, there was an episode <laughs> where you talked about Magnolia, and every time I said I knew what you were talking about, I was thinking Vanilla Sky, uh, which is actually not a bad movie. Yeah, it's not terrible. I, I do like the kind of semi-twist at the end. Right. Um, but Cameron Diaz, too. Weird. But yeah. Well, is uh, it weird? I don't think it's weird. Because John Travolta, John Travolta, and Olivia Newton-John <laughs> were in a bunch of things together. I think no, no, that's not true. They were, they were in Greece together. They were in Greece together. <sighs> Whatever. Anyway, and neither uh, one were in Greece too. You Greece as I, Greece as well, or Greece the sequel. <laughs> Greece the <laughs> they they might have greased each other. I don't know. I I gotta Google that. No, it's John Travolta. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't. <laughs> he was in Bubble Boy. Yeah, it, he was in Bubble Boy. He was deep, deep, deep in, in Bubble Boy. <laughs> the Moops. <laughs> no, no, no. You're so wrong. It's the Moops. <laughs> anyway, there's there's at least one person listening to this that's gonna get that joke. Yes, uh, this is for you, buddy. <laughs> um. So John Travolta, her had <laughs> both it. No, you I don't it, say if you don't say John Travolta for the rest of the podcast i'm gonna be just so john travolta he had a pretty successful beginning career he was in some stuff i think saturday night fever probably put him way over the edge yeah um, but then he kind of disappeared into obscurity and then he resurged with pulp fiction in 1994 yes but you're forgetting he was in this movie that i don't remember the name of with jamie lee curtis where she was an aerobics instructor and he joined her class for some stupid reason, as wearing short shorts and thrusting his pelvis around. And then many years later, somebody made a music video that was like a remix version of um, Valerie, but it was a call on me. And it was a spoof of that video with some of the hottest fucking women you ever saw gyrating their pelvises around. Yeah. You forgot that. And I, I'm disappointed that you forgot that. When was this? The video or the movie? What are we? What are you talking about? I just kind of went down a call on me. The video, Google it. It's one of the best music videos ever created. It's nearly perfect, and it was a spoof, and I never realized this of an old John Travolta movie where he was pelvisizing so with Jamie Lee Curtis. It's Eric Prides. Yeah, is the singer of Call on Me. Oh my! Yes, I don't care. I was. We've never been serious before. I'm serious now. Pause the podcast. Get to a mobile device. Look up Call On Me, the music video. It, you will not be disappointed. Even if you're a straight woman or a gay man, you will still have to appreciate it just because. Uh, gosh darn it. <laughs> yep. Anyway. Uh, I, <laughs> I lost well, I'll, him. Stop. I'll stop. I'll, I'll shut it off. I'll just save that. Uh, anyway. No. Okay. So what we're talking about here specifically is let's just take as an example, John Travolta. He had a pretty successful uh, entrance into show business. Then he disappeared into obscurity, minus this Jamie Lee Curtis thing. Then in 1994, he came back with Pulp Fiction, and he blew up. Like, yeah. that was such a 
popular movie. And I remember it being in the media that he was kind of crediting Quentin Tarantino as like bringing him back. Like he had the mini resurgence with the Luke Who's Talking movies. Yes. Like the original Luke Who's Talking was a pretty big hit. Agreed. And then he did two sequels that were nowhere nearly as popular. Right. And that was but, like when he thought it was comeback was that that was not his comeback. And then yeah, he his, came back in a serious role, which was what the hell was his name? Jules. Vic. Oh no, Jules is uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. He's uh yeah Victor, right? Yeah, he's the brother of the guy in Reservoir Dogs. But that's just because Michael Madsen wouldn't come back for the role. Anyways, trivia. Sorry. <laughs> uh. Anyway, so then he did these wicked stinkers. Like he maybe thought he was, oh, I'm popular again, so I'm gonna do some risky moves. That and that's exactly it. I think it went to his head. Yeah, because he's not alone. But well, let me. I got his filmography up. Let me tell you what he did. Like immediately, he did Pulp Fiction in '94. Vincent Vega, that's what it was. Vincent Vega, yeah. Then he did Get Shorty, which I guess some people like. I never actually saw. It wasn't that great, but it was based off a book that was hugely popular. Yeah. Then he did. Then he started trying to do these serious dramatic roles. He did White Man's Burden and Get Shorty, both in '95. Michael and Phenomenon in '96. Yeah, both were terrible movies. Where they're both like Michael, he was an angel phenomenon he had like psychic powers but they were both like these like touchy feely you know kumbaya all of humanity is connected and we just got to love each other movies right and they're supernatural movies that don't really show you much supernatural stuff yeah they're just excuses to be really hippie-ish and we're going to show you all the supernatural things in the trailer yeah you get you watch the trailer you got the gist of it yeah and then and then he did <clears throat> orientation colon a scientology information film Ooh, i'd like <laughs> to watch that i love that scientology shit i mean they oh yeah it's fascinating it is absolutely fascinating i it's, i i would avoid them like the plague Ooh, this is awesome what Ni- 1996 short films shown by the church of scientology to people before they attend their first scientology service in some places a confidentiality agreement must be signed before watching it Ooh. God damn it. I want him and Tom Cruise to both be in that forming Scientologron. That'd be a great movie. Scientologron tells you, keep your fucking mouth shut about Zeno. Oh, yeah. And then he was in the the Scientology movie, the, af- the not After Earth. What was it called? Oh, we'll get to that. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's coming. So also in 96. Okay. So also in 96, he did Broken Arrow. Oh, yeah. And Face Off? And then face off in 97. Oh, I forgot about that. I have to For change. me, I looked at the whole rest of this list. There's only one more movie he's done that I think positively of in the whole rest of his list. What's that? Uh, Swordfish. Yeah, that was he played the bad guy in Swordfish. Sort of. Sort of bad guy. Sort of yeah, anti-hero. Sort of, yeah, he was. Like he came off as, well, it was pretty good. Like he came off as the bad guy. He just wanted to run his bank. You liked Halle Berry getting naked. Uh did you not? Oh, of course I did, but I mean that's your no, like movie. I feel like you're blaming me for. Her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, got, I read somewhere they paid her like an extra hundred thousand dollars just to flash her boobies for like five seconds. It was the completely most gratuitous scene worth in, it in almost any movie ever, and it was awesome. <clears throat> but yeah, so he does. Well, he did the general's daughter. That actually wasn't bad either. But anyways, he did stinker after stinker. 
besides Face Off and Broken Arrow, the John Woo classics, he did Mad City, She's So Lovely, Civil Action, Thin Red Line, which is such a fucking disappointment, Junket Whore, Primary Colors, Our Friend Mart- Martin. Like, this was his movie after movie after movie of crap. And then Tip of the Crap Iceberg, 19, uh, 2000, little movie called Battlefield Earth. Yeah, huge budget. Zero box office. That was his love letter to L. Ron Hubbard. I wonder how many of those other movies were maybe scripted or produced by Scientologists, and it was like John Travolta's. Like, sure, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll I'll do it. And it was just like killing his career. Yeah, I wonder if he had a handler that told him, like, no agent. Like, I wonder if he legit has like a handler that tells him you're going to take and do this movie. I wonder what this movie. Wonder if there's a list of roles that he turned down. It probably exists somewhere. While he was doing, like, while he was taking these other movies, he was turning down, like, Morpheus in The Matrix and shit like that. See, now he did another good, after this, he had a he had a run. He did another good one in 2003 called Basic, where he was back with Samuel L. Jackson again. So that's his key. He needs to be doing movies with Sam Jackson. <laughs> I'm going to look on Box Office Mojo and see what Battlefield Earth did. Yeah, that's that's got to be interesting. But yeah, and then that's it. Like, seriously, he's got nothing good. That was 2003. That was the last decent movie he did. I mean, The Punisher was a huge disappointment. I mean, Wild Hogs is like, my parents love it. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's not that great. It's objectively not a great movie. Nothing. I mean, he did this Gotti movie like last year, two years ago. That was, I guess, like a huge disappointment. Everybody thought this was going to be great. And he sucked it up. And yeah, nothing. He's He basically peaked in 1994. And then just there was a slow gentle slope and then just went right off the cliff what happens why does that happen so battlefield earth's production budget was 73 million dollars uh it grossed 21 million <laughs> <gasps> did you see it yeah i did it was it was not so a good movie. bad it was uh worldwide it only made 29 so it made wow. 21 21 million in the u.s 8 million foreign and that was the first part of planned at least two-parter if not trilogy yeah like they they plan this to be the new Star Wars. They like I heard I saw interviews like this is going to be they're like this is going to be an epic. This is going to knock your socks off. This is gonna, oh, yeah, it's you know. it's a two hour movie. It's an hour and fifty seven minutes. Yeah, and it was ridiculous. It was all Scientologists. All the parts where all those act, Hollywood actors that are secret Scientologists came out of the woodwork. Forrest Whitaker, Barry Pepper, just all these dudes that are secret Scientologists came out to do this movie because it was like their version of going to Mecca. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's their pilgrimage, except Tom Cruise. For some reason, even the Scientologists knew to keep Tom Cruise, their poster child, away from it. Well, he was probably his, he had probably a conflicting schedule or something. He was probably gonna pop up in the second part or something. <laughs> Surprise! Surprise, Tom Cruise. <laughs> uh, Falling off the helicopter. But yeah, so he was the one we thought of when we thought of the category. But can you think of anybody else that's like that? Because I actually started sitting down and wreck my brain. I came up with a bunch of names. Well, I definitely remember us talking about Kevin Spacey. Who I actually forgot about. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, put aside the fact that he was sexually abusing gay men. Or, or he was gay. a gay man sexually abusing boys. Yeah, I think that's more like it. <laughs> um, put that aside. And you look at his career. He was like, he, he peaked with uh, seven and Usual Suspects, which if you haven't seen either of those movies, pause the podcast, go watch those movies, come back, tell me what you think. And then 
cry because you're a terrible person. What's wrong with you? Why have you not seen the usual suspects or seven? That's, ah, uh, what's wrong with you? Uh, those are both in the same year too. 95. Um, and outbreak, yeah. which actually was pretty good. Oh, that's right. He was an outbreak. Yeah. So he was, that the, was, he was like the buddy yeah. that died. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a really good movie. Yeah. So usual suspects outbreak seven, like 95 was the year of fucking Kevin Spacey. Yeah. And then he did like LA confidential in 97, which was, or sorry, those three were in 95. Like Confidential was 97, which was that was pretty decent. Then his last good one, 99, American Beauty. Which, and I hated I hated that movie. Which I, I was gonna say, I know opinions vary on that one. I should I, I'm not gonna say I loved it, but I did like that movie. But then that was it. That was his peak. I mean, he won Oscars and shit for that, or at least the movie won Oscars. Like that was his at least professional peak, if not his his actual real peak was 95. But after that, that's when he did Pay It Forward in 2000, which was terrible yeah k packs in 2001 which i didn't even bother seeing yeah i i saw it and it was bad it was but that was like, such that was an ego trip for him that was just like a look at me i'm a the, the alien it was like michael in phenomenon i'm the alien coming down to heal the world but am i or am i crazy yeah yeah that's right that's the the premise of the movie was i'm either an alien or i have a mental illness and the end yeah. was like the last five minutes, it was designed to make you think that, oh shit, this guy really is an alien. And then like the final moment, spoiler alert, the final moments of the film, you're like, oh no, he's just a dude with mental illness. <laughs> so like, yeah, they put him in a room. Movie. They put him, it's it's from what I remember, they, he spends the whole movie trying to convince people that he's an alien and that he's, the, the mothership's coming back to get him. And so they put him in a secure room and he's he's in there like he's living in there with a bed like a bed and you know whatever and uh they to keep him safe from the mothership coming and taking him and then there's the, like this big build up there's this huge light coming in the window he's standing <laughs> in the window and like they can't get to him in time and then they finally open the door and he's gone and they're like oh my god the mothership did come and get him come to find out he's under the bed <laughs> <laughs> Somebody wrote that ending. Somebody's like, this is the perfect ending in this movie. I know. That is so bad. <laughs> I almost want to watch K-Pax right now just to laugh at it. Like, that would be, <laughs> I feel like it would be such a good, like, Mystery Science Theater 3000 movie. Oh, my God. There you go. Yeah. That's what that's what these guys are doing. That's I, I cracked the code. They're just making fodder for satire from Mystery Science Theater or, or yeah. whatnot. You're like, <laughs> you know what? I got, that. that's a, that is a genre. That is a, art form that can't go away i gotta do my part that's right full of material so here's k-pax yep <laughs> but yeah i mean seriously after this shipping news he did a cameo in gold member life of david gale beyond the sea and then i think he thought he was coming back in 2006 i mean he got his last good one was american beauty in 99 didn't do shit till 2006 where he did superman returns and that was bad and that bought well did it bomb yeah it was bad but did it bomb? I don't know. But at least it was like super disappointing. Well, it was, let's it was go supposed to... to kick off a new series. It was supposed to revitalize the, the whole genre. And it, it didn't go anywhere. And it, it bombed. Let's go back to box office mojo. But then he does a whole slew of crap again. Did 21, which is okay, but didn't revitalize his career. And nothing. Like, yeah, nothing. He didn't do like horrible bosses. He was a side character. I mean, most of these movies I never even heard of. Envelope, Elvis and Nixon, Nine Lives. I, what the fuck? Uh, Superman Returns had a budget of 270 million. It made 200 million. So it did bomb. Yeah, it was a bomb. Total bomb. It was a bad, bad movie too. 
Yeah, it had moments. It had a couple of moments that I was like, oh, this. I think the dog, the little mini dog that ate the other mini dog. Like, weren't there twin Pomeranians and one of them ate the other or something like that? Oh, yeah, you're right. Jesus and there was like, they, it like alluded to the fact that it he ate the other dog or something. Yeah. Uh, I just remember that being like savage. Just wow. See, now as a side note, this reminds me, and I've always felt this. Like, what did you think of Man of Steel, the movie? I was, it was decent. I didn't, I, I, I have a really, really hard time with Superman. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, well, my thing is Superman returns, people shit all over it. And then, so they came out. So the studio, DC execs or whatever said, okay, we listened to you. And they came up with Man of Steel, which was darker, grittier, whatever. And people, shit all over it yeah like and i get it you know it's like okay swing and a miss from both extremes but when the super man of steel came out they're like superman doesn't kill and it should have been more hopeful i'm like that was superman returns superman returns was a love letter to the original richard donner superman it was straight up the boy the big blue boy scout the 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 goofy you know lex luther all that stuff that, that was a straight-up love letter, to, and people hated it. So they went, okay, Superman, who is still good, but he has to fight, and he's getting his ass kicked half, left and right, and he barely comes out on top. He's got to really struggle to survive. No kryptonite. People hated that one. I actually enjoyed I, Man of Steel. Honestly, I can tell you I why. I, I can tell you why. Because Christopher Reeves wasn't in it. Well, Christopher I say, Reeves wasn't going to be in it. <laughs> I say you put I mean, a they cape. They hooked him up to a crane or something, I guess. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> You put he's in that wheelchair. You put him. You put the cape oh, on him, and he's fighting Lex Luthor <laughs> like a puppet, so just dangling the strings. This is ah, terrible. His, his, his legs are flopping around, but he's swinging his arms. This is one of the worst oh, things we've oh, ever said. We are bad people. But I'm oh. telling you, that would have been that would have killed. Would have killed Jerry. <laughs> it's gold. Uh. That's how you. That's how you make a good movie. Right By there. the way, I was going to make another Seinfeld reference at the beginning of the podcast when you said something. And I said no. It was like George trying to break up with his girlfriend. She's like, no. <laughs> what do you mean, no? <laughs> no, I, we don't break up. Okay. So that was a Seinfeld reference at the very beginning. I was about to do it, then I got sidetracked. So there you go. Still Time waiting travel. For, still seven. waiting for a Simpsons reference. Uh I'm past that. I've grown beyond that. I think. Bullshit. Either that, or I just completely have not. My my skills have atrophied. I'm sorry. <laughs> or maybe it's just a slow burn. It's, it's going to happen. And then it's later gonna happen. on, it's got to happen. Yeah. Um. So who else do you have for actors that have kind of peaked and fallen off the cliff because oh, they thought they were better than they really were? Um. In the inter- interest of gender equality, Renee Zellweger. Yep, I'd buy that. Uh Where do you think she peaked? I was. I'll ask you that. Where do you? Where would you say she peaked? Well, opinion. I'll tell you, I can name two films, Me, Myself, and Irene, and The Bridget Jones Diary. Those are my two Renee Zellweger movies that I can think of. Yeah, so I would say she her, her thing took off. Like, she got, became kind of known um, with Empire Records in 95, which was oh. kind of a niche movie. Yeah, okay. Not a bad movie. I think my brother really, really, really liked it. it was John Cusack? No, that was... Um, you're thinking of High Fidelity, I think. Oh, yeah. Empire Records was Ben Affleck? No, nah, it was Liv Tyler and her. And it's a bunch of people you recognize, but never became big stars. Yeah. Like, if you if you sat down and watched it, you would recognize a whole bunch of people. But only gotcha. two, like, Renee Zellweger and Liv Tyler were the only ones you probably could name outright. Okay. 
And I, th- I almost want to say it went straight to video, but I might be wrong. But anyways, it was it wasn't a bad movie, but like I said, my brother liked it more than he should have. And you know it's true, Jared. You're listening. You you liked it more than it should have, more than it's worth. Anyways, <clears throat> but that was '95. That's where she got on the roadmap. '96 was Jerry Maguire. That's where she. Ah, uh, yes, yes. That Jerry was Maguire. her Pulp Fiction. That's where she took off. I never saw that movie. It's a straight up romantic comedy. I steer away from those 99 percent of the time. Tom Cruise, Cuba Gooding Jr. Yeah. It's actually yeah. a pretty good it's it's a good movie. If if you like football, it's a pretty good movie because it's about a football player and his agent. Tom Cruise plays Cuba Gooding Jr.'s agent. Right, right. It's not bad. I mean, but the whole thing is a love story between him and her. Well, and yeah. Her and that and that that had a very famous line in that movie when she he's yeah. trying to explain himself and she's like, Shut up, shut up. You had me at hello. I was I thought you were gonna say show me the money. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's got to show me the money. But it, I'm talking Renee Zellweger had that, like it was played ad nauseum in in the, that clip of her saying, "You mm-hmm. had me at hello." You had, like everybody spoofed that for years. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. You had me at bacon. Yeah, you had you <laughs> had me at more cake. Anyway, stop. Yes. So yeah, she did. She did Jerry Maguire '96. Kind of did a dip because she did a lot of like really unknown stuff. Bounce bounced back up again in 2000 with me, myself, and Irene. Which was actually a really good movie. I like that movie. Yep. And then Bridget Jones's Diary in two thousand one, and then that was her. That was her peak. Then that was her cash in moment because she do started doing the uh, ego trip movies. I'd say. Yeah. Chicago in two thousand two was. I mean, if you're a fan of like the theater or something like that, or musicals, great. But or Catherine Zeta Jones. Yeah. Or and Richard Gere. Richard Gere, and I saw that movie in the theater. I, I'll admit it. I was with a group of people. They decided I got outvoted. We saw it in the theater. So what? I, but that, I no no no. We have to explore this. <laughs> what were the other choices that were downvoted? I, I don't even remember. It was I was living in DC. Yep, here we go. I gotta go find out when that came out. See what, what the, the release weekend for Chicago. What what else came out? Because I don't remember. I just remember there was like six of us. We're hanging out, and I was like, and the women basically outvoted the guys. Like, let's go see Chicago. It'll be great. It'll be fun. The girls are wearing, like, they, I distinctly remember them looking at us and going, the, the girls are wearing skimpy outfits. It's going to be good for you guys, too. And then we were just like, ah, fine, whatever. Uh, it came out in, does it say December 2002? December, release date, December 27th, 2002. So it was up against Catch Me If You Can and Pinocchio. So why the fuck did we see Catch Me If You Can? That was a way better movie. Let's see. Uh, What's wrong with us? You tell me. I don't me. know. Did you see Catch Me If You Can? Yeah. Yeah, I saw that in the theater. So I saw it at some point. Maybe theater. you had already seen it. Maybe. Let's see. Okay. So this this would have been oh Jesus. It was that that was a pretty good year uh, or month. Let's let me give you some of the things that would have been in the theater still. Uh, analyze that Empire, yeah. uh, Drumline, The Hot Chick, Made in Manhattan. Star Trek Nemesis. I did see Made in Manhattan too. Same group later on. Okay. Uh, Gangs of New York, two weeks notice. The Wild Thornberries. Oh, here we go. <clears throat> so, uh, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers was that the weekend, weekend previous. I must have, I guarantee you I already saw that then. Yes, I'm sure you saw that. At I saw night. that. Like, I know I had all those movies yeah. I saw, like, the day they came out. So, so it opened, uh, Opposite the hours with Meryl Streep, Julianne Moore, Nicole Kidman. Ha! Did not see that. Ha ha! 
Yeah, so probably it came down to and catch me if you can came out the weekend out. Uh, no, catch me in the catch me if you can was came out on Christmas Day, so it would have been basically the same weekend as Catch Me If You Can. Young yeah. and stupid. That's all I gotta say for myself. But yeah, she uh, young, dumb, and full of stupid. That was that was her. Like I would cash in and make the movie that is not gonna make the wide. Because I guarantee you that thing did not make big. I, I'm not saying it was a bomb, but it did not make big huge money. Then she did Cold Mountain the next year in 2003, and that was it. She did Bridget Jones sequels that were not as nearly as well received as the other ones. And then she did a lot of crap. A lot of voiceover work. B-movie, Monsters vs. Aliens. Like, she started, like, <clears throat> not knowing what to do with herself. 2010, My Own Love Song, nothing till 2016. She took a 16-year break. She also... uh either lost a lot of weight, had plastic surgery or something. But when she resurfaced yeah. a couple of years ago, she didn't even look like Renee, Renee Zellweger. Yeah, I remember seeing a picture. I'm like, who is that? And then reading the caption going, what the fuck? Yeah. <clears throat> she did the Jennifer Grey. Jennifer, there's another one should be on the list. Jennifer Grey, top of the dirty, world after Dirty Dancing. Dirty Dancing. She did Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Dirty Dancing, uh, The Outsider. No, not The Outsiders. Red, Red Dawn. Dawn yeah. Which, it was like Outsiders Part Two. <laughs> yeah, that you can see where my confusion. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, hey, just, let's yeah. take the cast of the Outsiders and put them in a Russian invasion. See that? I know, right? That's great. <laughs> put some Powers Booth in there. Yeah, yourself a movie. But yeah, so she, yeah, she was like on top of the world for on Dirty Dancing, got a nose job, and I will say that she was objectively better looking after the nose job. She was a genuinely hot girl hot woman after the nose job but her nose was her distinction that's what everybody knew her as the cute girl with the big nose death by and rhinoplasty she yeah that was exactly she became uncastable because she was not jennifer gray nobody would have recognized her they would they would they couldn't use her in the promos they couldn't use her as a for the interviews because people like who the hell is this this is not the girl from dirty dancing and ferris bueller what yeah. the fuck she, and then she, that was it. That was her. That was the end of her career. She did bit parts after that in everything. Little known, then, she did a bit part in Friends. She did a bit. She did part in a sitcom called "It's Like You Know" that lasted <laughs> for like half a season, and that ended. She was in that Red Oaks TV show that was pretty. Yeah, cool. yeah I never. I, I watched. She was, that. and she looked good in that. I mean, she's in her like fifties now, and she's looking good. I mean, like well, I said, she's an objectively good-looking woman. She was on Dancing with the Stars. Um, and I think she went all the way to the end. She might have even either won it or what came in second place or something. She's at hope so. <laughs> well, I'm, you know, yeah, that, that's but a popularity contest. At it's least not... for this, you could point to an objective reason. You can say, boom, there it is. But like the Travoltas, the Zellwiggers, the like, it's like, what did they just lose their mojo? Did they just stop collaborating with people that could like, maybe that's the question. Is it even about the actor? Really? Does it more come down to the people behind the actor, the writer, the, the writers, the directors, maybe even the agent. Once that magic goes away, you could be the best actor in the world. But if you get the crappy roles with the crappy movies, with the crappy right. lives. And how much of it is a gamble? Like how much of it is like, you know, I'm going to give up one role to try this role. And then like uh, Eddie Murphy. I know yep. he, that one's that one's on my list, too. I looked him up, too. Yeah, Eddie Murphy absolutely is. And I remember Pluto Nash being hyped um, as like one of his best movies, and it was absolute garbage. Oh, yeah. He did the string of crap, Pluto Nash, Norbit, Meet Dave. 
like he did these string of like like desperately trying to recapture his like the only thing that kept his food on food on his table was the voiceovers for the Shrek movies, I think. Seriously. Um, let me just... I'm going to tell you something that is incredible. Pluto Nash, The Adventures of Pluto Nash, Eddie Murphy movie. Okay, and this was in 2002, so certainly not the peak of his career, but it's it's Eddie fucking Murphy, right? Mm-hmm. The production budget for The Adventures of Pluto Nash was $100 million. Guess how much it made? $200 million. $4.4 million. Oh, my God. It made $4,420,000. And Holy then it made shit. two million overseas. So all all combined worldwide had a budget of a hundred million, and it only made seven. So that lost ninety three million dollars. Eddie Murphy, Randy Quaid, Rosario Dawson, yeah, Joey Pants, Jay Moore, fucking John Cleese, Pam Green. Like this is this is a star studded cast. Yep, and it made four million bucks. Oh my god! Two thousand two, he did Showtime. Don't remember that. He did Adventures of Showtime with Robert De Niro. What the hell? Okay. Pluto Nash, I Spy, 2003, Daddy Daycare, and The Haunted Mansion. Like, Dr. Oh, Doolittle. Haunted Mansion. And, and, okay, so The Haunted Mansion is my favorite ride at Disney World, and I love Disney World. So, like, that's my forte. Mm-hmm. And if there was ever a movie that I would defend to the death would be The Haunted Mansion, no matter how bad it is, and I cannot defend that movie. It is absolute <laughs> garbage. Never even bothered. I say, I'm saying right here, right now, he peaked in 1996. Nutty Professor. Yep. His heyday was the 80s all day long. Then he went, he dipped. He did Beverly Hills Cop 3 to try to regain some cachet. And it, it, I, if I remember right, that one was not that big a hit. You know, Beverly Hills Cop, Beverly Hills Cop 2 were kind of classics. 3 was like, uh, Boomerang was a huge hit. That was like one of his biggest ones. His biggest one ever, I want to say, is Coming to America. That's probably where he actually Yeah, peaked. absolutely. I, let me let me just tell you this right here. Uh, Ooh, 2020, Coming to America 2. Yeah. Post-production. I'm going to say August 2002 may have been one of the worst months in movie history. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you some of the movies that came out in August of 2002. You ready? Yeah. The Adventures of Pluto Nash. Hmm. Blue Crush. Oh, serving, the serving movie? Yeah. Yep. Serving Sarah. Simone. Undisputed. One hour photo, okay. fear.com. It it had no competition. Like, why? One hour photo is not the worst in the world. It was an okay it, it, movie. It's not, but it's an indie film. No, yeah, totally. That it's it's a it's a Fox Searchlight production. Yeah, that's a hundred percent. Like, we're not even gonna advertise this movie. Yep. And I remember seeing it distinctly because of that. Because I was like a weird hipster mood going. Oh, if it's underground, that was another one in DC. I remember I saw that and I saw in the bedroom because it was both for the same reason. Like, oh, these are these underground, probably gonna be really good, like diamonds in the rough type of movies. And in the bedroom was a bad movie. That was a boring fucking movie. Oh, I'm gonna. But one hour photo was not that bad. No, it's not, it's not a bad movie. I'm just saying that like it it was up against nothing. I mean, one hour photo. <laughs> it it's one hour photos production budget was twelve million. Uh, it grossed thirty-one. I had I heard something once that Eddie Murphy and Robin Williams were kind of in the same boat, had the same kind of depression. That two guys that were on top of the world at one point made such a string of crap that they got suicidally depressed. Obviously, one of them more than the other one, but true, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like I've heard that Eddie Eddie Murphy had has this weird like 
bad run of depression because he made such a string of crap movies. Which, yeah, man, can you imagine? Like, seriously, think about 80s Eddie Murphy. He was the guy keeping Saturday Night Live a lot. Yeah, on top of the world. He was the guy making Coming to America. He was the guy making Beverly Hills Cop. He was even stinkers like Golden Child were still doing big move, big money. Like he couldn't do a wrong move. Eddie Murphy was making a movie. People went and saw it. No two ways about it. He did Raw, which was one of the most successful stand-up shows ever. 48 Hours, Boomerang, like I said. And then he peaked at Nutty Professor. Everybody saw Nutty Professor, even if it was a screwball comedy. Everybody saw that. And then he went right over the cliff. The only one I saw on this list that I even liked, besides the Shrek movies, which are, yeah, I guess you can count them. Bowfinger in 99. Yeah. I actually did enjoy that movie. Uh, but yeah, just terrible, terrible string of movies. Okay, this this might explain a couple things. I, I'm getting a little more information here. The same weekend, the, the weekend that The Adventures of Pluto Nash came out, it was competing with a couple movies that were already in theaters. Triple X. Hmm. Oh, and, God. Yeah, right. Triple X, Signs. Ooh. Well, don't even, was still... don't even fucking get me started on that <laughs> fucking movie. But that had already been out for two weeks. And Shyamalan was still riding that train. He was That's still right. like, he could, no matter what he made, people were going to see it. Yeah. Spy Kids 2, mm-hmm. Austin Powers and Goldmember, that had been in theaters for three weeks. Everybody, like I'm looking at these lists, all these guys were in that movie, Austin Powers and Goldmember. Yeah. Do you remember that movie? Yeah. I yeah, saw I do. one that time. Beyonce was in it, right? All that movie was, was an excuse for celebrities to jump on board and say look i'm part yep. of awesome powers kevin spacey's in it kevin uh, spacey, tom, john travolta tom cruise tom cruise um like michael Kane, every, obviously all these like britney spears was in it like it was just celebrity cameo after celebrity cameo yeah and for no reason it was so bad that movie was so terrible the first two austin powers movies i loved that third one was just was like look another celebrity oh look another celebrity great it's another celebrity making a stupid one-liner that means nothing and is insane. Mike Myers, we could put Mike Myers. Man, there's so many. Uh, Men in Black 2 was in theaters at the same time, but it had been in theaters for a month and a half. Probably still be the pants off it, even it, a month and a half in. No, it didn't. It it made half as much. Oh. But, of course, it made $160 million overall. Men in Black and that 2 that was did. not that good a movie either, actually. Well, it... Yeah, I mean it's it was Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. So, so I have one person I had up here. I'm not. I think maybe it's controversial, but I think if you look at his filmography, it holds up. Who is it? So you have, you have to tell me what you think. Ben Stiller. There's something about Mary. There's something about Mary. In fact, it's funny because if you look at this, there wasn't really a slow rise. It's like he came out of nowhere. Yeah, Zoolander. He did something about Mary in '98. That and I, I think. He's unique in this one because I think he appeared and peaked at the same time. Like he did a whole bunch of cra- like almost he was in Cable Guy, and that's like the only movie I even recognize. Like he did um, a little brief bit in Happy Gilmore. He was in um he okay. Let me let me name you some Ben Stiller movies that I know, but th- they're of course some of them are newer. Dodgeball, um, Tropic Thunder. Uh he was the voice of the lion, I believe, in Madagascar. Yeah. Which was hugely successful. Um, I just had one off the top of my head. It was, uh, like I said, Zoolander, there's something about Mary. Oh, I can't remember what it was. There was something else that he was in that he was like, kind of like in Dodgeball, where he, 
kind of like how Bill Murray shows up in Kingpin just as like, mm-hmm. I'll be this ridiculous bad guy. I'll be in the background, you know, when you need me, but I'm really not in this movie. Right. Um, but if I, if I remember correctly, Ben Stiller was a big writer producer before he was in any movies. Do you have a list of the movies that he like produced? Uh, no, just as starring roles I, or whatever I, roles. I bet if we really dug in, we'd find that he produced quite a few hits. He's funny. He's different because, like I said, he, it's like he peered out of nowhere. Like, as far as the general public goes, like, even here, it says Happy Gilmore, uncredited. Like, his nursing home orderly. Yeah. He, he was uncredited. He wasn't even, like, in there. But, uh, like, something about Mary was huge. Like, that put the Fairley brothers on the map. That put him on the map. That was, like, gigantic. But then, then he's, like, kind of maintained. Like, he did mystery men which wasn't big but did pretty i loved good. i actually loved mystery men that was a hilarious yeah. meet the uh, parents which i thought was way overhyped but for some reason was really popular zoolander royal tenenbaums which is like a prestige film for him um along then he started doing romantic comedies and they started doing the frat pack stuff like starsky and hutch dodgeball anchorman then he did meet the fockers which i also thought was overhyped but that was part of this whole trilogy he did or whatever meet the fockers was pretty funny there was it had a needless sequel but um well meet the fockers was a sequel meet the parents was the original oh yeah okay okay you're right and then you're they right. had little fockers or something like it just yeah. was, it was meet, meet the parents was funny meet the fockers I, th- was... I didn't think it was that good like i know right. i'm in the minority here but i i did not think it was all that good yeah along came Polly. like he was doing a lot of movies year after year a bunch in one year that was really good did Madagascar start? He's getting to the voiceover work. I, I almost feel like that's the death knell for a lot of actors when they start dipping their toys in the vo- toes in the voiceover. Yeah. Um, but then it starts going right on down. Madagascar sequels. I mean, he's doing movie after movie after movie. Megamind, he's still doing voiceovers. Little Fockers, he's doing the third one in, in the series that nobody gives two shits about at this point. Okay. Well, Madagascar I, three. I'm, a, I'm about to blow you out of the water here because oh, I shit. tell you what. Ben Stiller is is cream of the crop with another small group of people. Who's that? He, he played Tony Wonder in Arrested Development. <laughs> well, I was, so. was going to bring that up. He he redeems himself <laughs> <laughs> circa 2003 or so. But. Yeah. Yes. Arrested Development will save anybody from a list of mine. If mm-hmm. they appeared in Arrested... If Kevin Spacey had appeared in Arrested Development, <laughs> I just said... Go ahead and drug all the gay boys you want. Harvey Weinstein did a, <laughs> if he did a cameo with Bill Cosby <laughs> in season two of Arrested Development, he would be a okay in yeah, my book. He gets a pass. Yeah, you put a banana grabber <laughs> outfit on Kevin Spacey. <laughs> well, anyway, they should have no. had a scene where Job was talking to Michael about the banana grabber. And they just pan away to Kevin Spacey standing there wearing a banana costume, saying eating, nothing, just look at the camera meaningfully. Eating a banana. Eating a banana slowly <laughs> without chewing. <laughs> and that would have been awesome. That would have been awesome. Uh, Who so else? Yeah, you got? Tony, Tony Wonder. Did somebody say Wonder? <laughs> <laughs> Pulls bread out of his. Did he pull bread out of his cheek or something like that? I don't remember. Yeah. Wonder bread. That's right. Yeah doing it for the uh advertising so what do you think um what do you think is there anybody that is on the cusp of that right now do you think like that is still big oh. but you you could start to see the shades of ooh, it's probably not happening 
Well, let, let's, let me get, without going into details, let me get a list of people that have, what's, who's on your list? Like I have like Lindsay Lohan. See, okay. I found a website that said 25 A-list Hollywood actors that fell the F off. Yeah. And she's on that list. Definitely. Yeah. Give me, give me some more people on that list. I'll see if there's anybody that I can think of that meets that criteria. <clears throat> well, some of these are a while ago, so I don't know if it's going to happen. Like, uh, Nev Campbell. Yeah. Starts with her. Like she was huge in like, you know, the screen yep. movies. Yep. Wild things. Rick Moranis, which I don't think is fair. No. Anybody that doesn't know Rick Moranis's wife had cancer. Right. And died. And he left acting to take care of his family. So that's that's yes. not fair. It's like if he walked away, that he did that purposely. Yeah. So you know what? All the props to him. I don't I don't put him in the same list as these other people that right. just had their moment and couldn't let go or whatever you want to call it. Yep. Um, Clive Owen, which might be the most contemporary of the list, because he didn't get really known for much of anything until the, the mid-aughts. Yeah. Like Closer, Children of Men. He was in um, uh, the board, the first Born movie. Yep. So he was pretty big for a little bit. Then, yeah, he has started. To, he, he might fit that list of somebody that's like, oh, yeah, what has happened to Clive Owen? I haven't seen him in a while. But what you did see him and didn't see him that long ago. Yeah. Know? Halle Berry. True. I, I can see that. Jesus, this thing, I don't know how old this website is, but it says her most recent project was Movie 43 in 2013. Have you watched that? I don't hate that movie. I know. It's the her her scene in particular with the uh doesn't the walls on some, the chin? So no, no, that's uh I think that's Naomi Watts. Wait, no, it's not her, but it's not Naomi Watts. Naomi Watts is her and her husband are like have their kid go to homeschool, but they want to make it like high school, so they bully oh, and them the, and the poop. Yeah. No, Halle Berry is the one that gets the guacamole licked off her boobs. She gets she gets naked. Yeah, she's the one that gets she does the dares with Stephen Mershon. Like she gets like gigantic fake boobs and big fake lips or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm sitting there, like everybody hates this movie. I'm sitting there watching going, I, I don't hate this movie. Yeah, it's hysterical. Actually, the, not the guy with the the balls, it was uh who were Wolverine. the two it, yeah, Wolverine. But who was the woman that wasn't never uh, Kate Winslet? Oh, that's right, Kate Winslet. Yeah, yeah. draw me like one of your French whores. Well, I don't remember what was it. Dennis Quaid is trying to get find his way into the studio to pitch a movie. The whole that was a whole like in between. Yeah, and he's like, like this one line he's talking about. I had to I had to suck off the security guard to get in here, and somebody else was like, Oh, I didn't know Hank was gay. And he's like, He wasn't. He was fighting me the whole time. Like <laughs> that's a good line. Yeah. That is gold. That made me bust out laughing. Yeah, that's gold. Um, well, I'm while we're while you're naming people, I kind of I had this flash of people that are immune to this. Liam Brendan Neeson. Fraser. Ooh, sorry. Oh uh, no, I was just uh, Liam Neeson. Yes. Okay. Yes, Liam Neeson. He's immune. Some, like it's like I'm not gonna say he kept doing awesome movies because he's done some stinkers, but even the stinkers have their following. I heard like the gray. Which was people complained about it because they thought it was gonna be one thing from the previews and it was completely not that. Yeah. Where he's like stuck in the Canada or whatever. Can Canada. <laughs> that country up north. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere where there's a lot of ice. Near the Arctic. And you think he's gonna be like fucking boxing wolves with shards of glass from the previews, but it just turns in it's actually that's the last scene and it fades to black and the rest of the movie is just a survival. But then I guess like I never saw it, but before I understand if you examine it. The movie's actually pretty good yeah. for what it is. Yep. Like the guy actually does hit after hit after hit that, pe that people enjoy seeing. 
Anthony Hopkins. Yep. Leonardo Brad DiCaprio. Yeah. Brad Pitt. Um, and uh, my boy from. Uh, oh my god, I'm I'm having a brain fart. Uh, and I don't want to describe him because I want to come up with the name myself. But uh, oh my god, it just flashed in front of my face and I couldn't catch it. <laughs> Same movie. Training Day. Ethan Hawke. Seriously, you'd get Ethan Hawke as what I'm trying to get at here. <laughs> I don't. Some racist. All right, Denzel Washington. Jeez. Denzel Washington. <laughs> you notice how I said it? I said Ethan Hawke, like incredulously. <laughs> like it couldn't be like, Denzel Washington you're talking about. <laughs> Why would you talk about Ethan Hawke? <laughs> Although. Hey, look, Ethan Hawke is popular with people. I don't. <laughs> I can't. I, I can't choose the national taste. Uh, number one, my favorite Ethan Hawke movie is Bone Tomahawk. <laughs> Yeah, he wasn't in that. <laughs> wasn't he? <laughs> Poor Ethan, Ethan Hawk. Ethan Hawk wasn't in Bone Tomahawk? Oh uh, no, that was Kurt Kurt Russell. Wow. The, yeah. <laughs> what movie am I thinking of? Oh, The Magnificent I, Seven. No, I didn't see it. You didn't with uh Chris Pratt? Yeah, I heard it wasn't that good. It wasn't that bad. I didn't get around to it. So okay, yeah, Desmond Washington staying pretty strong. Like he when he doesn't, he doesn't do movies like every year anymore. But when he does them, they're hits. Yeah, I'll give you that. Um, but like, yeah, the crap, like Brendan Fraser. Holy shit, this guy just a fucking peered. And he was after those money movies. He was Hollywood A list. He was like the action dude. Nope. Renee Zellweger's on the list, like we talked about. Billy Zane. Ah, uh, yeah. Titanic reference coming back. Yep. Kate Winslet. Billy Zane. Billy Zane, and I don't know the name of it. Did a Turkish propaganda movie. Where he played an evil American who was stealing Turkish children and killing them for some reason. Hmm. Like that's the dude that does not turn down a paycheck. <laughs> that tells you something. No, that was art. Uh huh. Art. He's making a stand. Fuck America. Uh, Haley Joel Osment. Yes. Poor and, kid. Yeah, and I think that he might just suffer from the fact that he was a good child star. I think he suffered from the fact that he got real fat. Oh, whatever. I mean, um, <laughs> Sean Austin got real fat, and he's good. He was Sam. Wise. Yeah, but he's he came back around as like a more mature, fatherly role type of guy instead of Haley Joel Osment's maybe not so much anymore. But nobody would have looked at him as anything but a kid, and then just became the fat kid. Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> yeah, Macaulay Culkin. Well, he's probably the poster child for fucked up child stars. Yeah. Uh, Josh Hartnett. Yeah. He was like early 2000s. The dude couldn't do any wrong. Yeah. Now, number 11. That was a great movie. Black Hawk Down. Oh, you know who's kind of starting to slip? Uh, yeah. Bruce Willis. Oh, yeah. I will agree with you. He yeah. hasn't had a real hit in a very long time. Yeah. And, and the ones that he, he's tried to resurrect the hits. You know what I mean? Uh, actually, like he did that remake of Death Wish recently yeah. that nobody... Yep. Get two shits about. Yep, and he's doing as many diehards as he can. Uh, yeah, he's that's what they do. You like you watch this arc, and they have these peaks. They do these movies, then they have these like a, almost like a decade of crap. Then you'll slowly see them start to do the sequels to what they were popular in before. Yeah, um, Zoolander two for Ben Stiller. You know, yep. Um, yep, all those Madagascar movies, the diehard movies for Bruce Willis, like the Bridget Joneses for Renee Zilliger. They're like, okay, 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 out. I need a, I need a paycheck. Put me in this movie. Put me in the sequel. I'll do I'll do part two, part three, part four, whatever. I need people to remember I exist. 
trying to trying to think of somebody. Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> Steve Gutenberg. He um he came back and did something because he was wildly popular in the eighties. Oh yeah. With uh, the Police Academy movies, or three at least minutes. first Three Men and a Baby. Three Men and a Baby. His um, most recent one they say here is I Heart Shaky, which okay. I don't I don't know what that is. That was in 2012. Hmm. You know how Steve Gutenberg became a star, though, right? I do. We've actually talked about it on the podcast, but I don't remember. It was the Stonecutters. Oh, who Simpsons. keeps down the electric car? Who makes Steve <laughs> Gutenberg a star? We do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got There's it. the Simpsons reference. I was I was scaring myself for a second. Uh, Mira Sorvino. I'm not going to say she was top of the world, but she was pretty high up there. Kim Basinger. Basinger. Basinger it's Basin Basinger. Let's let's put that to rest. Let's say uh, um, Basinger. Basinger. I'm, you know what? Screw that. Basinger. Yep. Done deal. You know who I see as being somebody who's in our our current era of movie making that's probably capable of sliding off the cliff is Gerard Butler. Uh, you're saying he hasn't already? Well, like, I think I mean, he, he might be, be the most recent entry into that list, but I think he's on the list. You think he's on the list right now? Because I, I think he's on the list of he had his peak and he's done. Yeah, with 300. Yeah, he like and we'll, we'll I think we both agree on this one. The Law-abiding citizen, he could have. That could have been his like. That could have been his peak. That could have been his hang your hat on movie, except for that fucking last scene. <laughs> yep. Uh, he was in a movie that receives no praise, or that I see. It's one of the best movies I've ever seen. It. I'm just gonna go out on a limb. I'm gonna. I'm gonna put this in my top ten movies. Uh, mm-hmm. Reign of Fire. He was in that. He was in that. Huh. So remember Christian Bale and Matt McConaughey. Matt McConaughey. Right? Speaking of two people that can't do anything bad. Yeah, that's another. Matthew McConaughey is consistently popular. And Christian Bale, I could see him maybe getting that point, but he's a good enough actor. Like he's he's a good enough committed method actor that he'll take these, you know, iffy experimental roles and do well with them that he at least stays in the public conscience. Like the, what was that, American Hustle, where he actually gained like a bunch of weight just coming off of Batman where he's like all buff and shit. Yep. He did American Hustle where he gained a shit ton of weight. Or was it the machinist where he went the opposite way? Became like all skin and bones. Like, like he could do these like method acting parts that people like. Ooh, look at that! He's committed to the role. Like, so they still think well of him because he's taking risks. Do you know the probably I can the number one name on this list that depresses the shit out of me because mm. there's somebody that I absolutely loved. Like I adored every movie, every, almost every move they made, and they've just kind of slowly slipped and now it's almost tragic how bad they are is uh jim carrey oh god adam sandler yep i put the adam sandler and jim carrey always put in the same boat yeah like comedic kings in the 90s yeah and now it's it's just one sad. yes you know what i will agree with you that is probably the pinnacle one is jim carrey um i guess he's in that sonic the hedgehog movie that's coming out yeah and it's actually really cringy to watch the preview. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it's going to do really poorly in, it, in the it looks like It looks like one of the give me a paycheck movies. Yeah. Straight out. And uh, oh, what else was he in recently that I saw that I was just like, wow. Well, he did the same thing I said. You, what was his most popular movie? Almost, you know, arguably his most popular. Dumb and hey, Dumber. What happened a couple of years uh, ago? Yeah, he tried to cash in on redoing tried Dumb to, and Dumber. 
try to cash in on the Dumb and Dumber sequel. Yeah. They always like they get this. It's like the stages of grief or something where there's like denial. They have the period of denial, then the period of depression, but they never quite hit the acceptance and they get to like this bargaining phase. Look, look, I'll, I'll do another movie. Just I need people to remember I exist. Put me in that sequel to that one movie I was popular in. Right. Like I'm guessing Austin Powers 4 is coming someday <laughs> or Wayne's World 3. That's all he, I'm saying. He's in the background of a bunch of movies that you don't even know it's him half the time. Do you know that? He's yeah, uh, he's like a master of disguise. I told you about my whole Bohemian Rhapsody thing, right? Yes, yes. Like I made that happen with my mind. I was on my way to drive. I was driving to the theater to see Bohemian Rhapsody. And I remember thinking they need to throw Mike Myers into this movie as a cameo because Queen owes its resurgence of popularity to Wayne's, Wayne's World. World. Yeah. Guess who was in a fucking cameo? Mike Myers. I was like, I said that when I saw him, I was like, Holy shit, I made this happen with my mind. I'm magic. Ah! Um, then I had a stiffy and people, but it was. He also played a, a military guy, like a general in something re- pretty recently. Well, he was a last... Nazi in some movie, wasn't he? No, I think he was a British. Oh, I think he was in Pearl Harbor. What movie was uh, he? He played like a, like a military general and he was in disguise. Transformers. The robots in disguise. Transformers. Andy McDowell. And the picture of her shows her tits hanging out. It's pretty nice. Anyways, <laughs> she probably peaked in Groundhog's Day. And that was the early 90s. Yeah. Emilio Estevez. Now that's got to hurt you, right? He's, oh, Inglorious Bastards. That's what Mike Myers was in. You know what fucked him up? Oh, was yeah. The, and he was a Nazi. Was he? Wasn't he? No, I think no, he was. A, he was he, yeah, you're right. He was a British guy. Yeah. He was in The Love Guru and that fucked him all up. That was his immediate after Austin. That was that's his new Austin Powers. That was his thing. Yeah, that was it was Austin Powers without being Austin Powers, and it didn't work. Yeah, well, I mean, he was on fire with Shrek. <coughs> he was uh, see, like Shrek. Shrek, uh, I want to say, is as big as any Pixar movie that ever mm-hmm. came out. And that's what he he found his back door was animation. Like some people jump into the animation. Hoping it saves him. That did save him. He doesn't need to do shit else besides Shrek. Yeah. 2001. And that blew up. Yeah. It was in, in, uh, he, that was, came right on the heels of the Austin Powers. Oh my God. Here it is. Austin Powers 4. <laughs> yeah. I called it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Ah, oh, God. I should work in Hollywood. I'm good at this. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, there's, there's no, uh, it's got a director and a production company, but there's no uh, release, like, projector and, release date. And right here, right now, Dana Carvey's begging him to do Wayne's World 3. I guarantee it. Oh, Come yeah. on, Mike. Come on. I'm living in my van down by the river. Let's <laughs> wrap it all together. Well, uh, this one hurts me. Alicia Silverstone. I once heard a phrase that made me laugh, but it was kind of sad at the same time, was that Brittany Murphy had the career that Alicia Silverstone was supposed to have. <laughs> Yeah, and Brittany Murphy died. Brittany, but Brittany Murphy was like, if not A list, then like B plus list or something like that. Like yeah. Brittany Murphy after Clueless, like Clueless was where Alicia Silverstone's career should have took off. But that is where Brittany Murphy's took off. It's almost like Brittany Murphy did some voodoo curse on Alicia Silverstone and said, "I make a deal with the devil." Holy shit, that's what happened. <laughs> she fucking found a voodoo priest and made a deal with Satan to steal. To steal Alicia Silverstone's future, and then in whatever year she died, that's what it came to. Boom. Yep. I wonder what I happened. Just, Let's see. 
Boy, she was in nothing. She's been in nothing. Yeah. She's in some like Showtime or something like that TV show or something like that. And that's it. Like she hasn't done shit. She did Batman and Robin, which was should have killed everybody involved's career, but somehow George Clooney got out of it alive. She's forty two. <clears throat> um, it's a picture of her in uh, twenty ten. She looks great. Yeah, she let's still see, looks good. Let's see what nine years have done to her. Wesley Snipes going to prison. There's another one like not paying his taxes. Like Jennifer Grey. Like I pinpoint why his career went off the skids. Demi Moore, Meg Ryan, Jesus. You go back 20 years and you would have said Meg Ryan would be not even thought of. People would be laughing in your face. Mel Gibson, can pinpoint where that one happened. Val Kilmer, Mike Myers is on the list. Hugh Grant, big list. Like there's a big list of stars that you just think, it's like, oh yeah, I remember him. Oh yeah, I remember her. Holy shit, Demi Moore. Yeah. Cuba Gooding Jr. Just, yeah. Ah, that's like a graveyard. It's like a living museum if you want to look at like a hollywood list of movies in the last 20 30 years you just you see a museum like the ruins of a once great empire i, I don't know it's it's kind of sad wow alicia silverstone looks great yeah stress-free life of not having to do movies yeah that's true. true dakota fanning ha that's probably a recent one too she was really hot with like a child actor she was in all these movie after movie after movie what's the last thing she her little sister is having more of a career than she is at this point Right. I she was in that cat in the hat yeah. Mike Myers movie. Uh-huh. There you go. Well, we've established that there are actors and actresses that see a a giant leap in their career. They're wildly successful for a, a period and then they for some reason fall off a cliff. And it's probably more more people that fall off a cliff than not. Yep. And what's the difference between the two? Maybe some of it is the fact that once they have that success, they feel like they can do anything. I feel like that's part of it. I feel like that was the John Travolta part of it. Yeah. Maybe like, the Jim Carrey part too. I'm so popular. I can do what I want. Yeah. And who knows if there are people, advisors, agents that are just begging them not to do certain mm-hmm. things or maybe some of it. Like I was just reading uh, Alicia Silverstone. I think her mom had something to do with the fact that her career didn't continue. But that was just a headline and it yeah. was on the internet, so it probably isn't true. But, you know, who knows, like, especially with those teen and actress and actresses, what kind of devastation the, the family members, you know, when hangers on mm-hmm. what they well, do. That's a lot of child stars. A lot of child stars have get fucked up by their parents. Yeah. Ah, but uh, I think it's a combination of that, like, their ego gets in the way. And I, I still think... I really think this, that people have a certain finite amount of creativity in them, which is, it's hard to apply to actors because most actors aren't coming up with their own roles, their own lines. They're just, you know, acting. But it's still kind of, you still have to be creative in an acting role, right? You still have to be invested in it, put the time in it. Where at some point, they're just, you can tell when they start phoning it in. Right. Well, I mean, you 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 take an actor like uh, Kevin Spacey. Uh, and something that they bring to a role that you know that somebody else couldn't. And mm-hmm. a, a perfect example of this is in Back to the Future, they filmed a lot of the movie with one actor, didn't like it, and they brought mm-hmm. in another actor, and it was unbelievably popular. Yeah, and it, if you go everything back, clicked all of a sudden. Yeah, and you go back and you look at some of that old footage. Who was... Uh, Eric Stoltz was the original. Eric, Eric Stoltz was the original. If you watch some of that old footage... Now we're we're seeing them through 
different lenses because we like Michael J. Fox, but you can almost tell like, yeah, Michael J. Fox was way, a way better choice. So yeah, just like I, objective measurement to that. Yeah. Right. And I, and I feel like Kevin Spacey, what's that? Well, there's a French phrase for it. I can't remember. Je ne sais quoi. Menage à toi. They have a certain menage à toi that they bring to the room. <laughs> Kevin Spacey probably really did. He certainly did. But there's there's a certain thing that that actor brings. Chris Pratt is a really good example. Yeah. Like he he plays his roles a certain way. Uh, the, bring it back around. Mulholland Falls. Mulholland Mulholland Drive. Drive uh, with your Melrose girl. Place. Huh? Melrose Place. Well. There's a scene in Mulholland Drive where it's Naomi Watts, correct? Mm-hmm. And she's reading her lines differently from all the other people that are auditioning. Yeah. And and that's it. That's that's if you don't know what scene I'm talking about, go back and watch that movie if you at your own peril because it's <laughs> a stupid movie. But see, I, I still think I still enjoyed that movie. I'm yeah, so, and, and because, because hot of lesbian scene aside, hot lesbian scene aside, I still actually did enjoy that movie. Yeah, that okay. was that was a David Lynch at his weirdest and finest yeah bad movie anyway <laughs> there's a scene where Naomi watts is reading lines that were given to her and she's in an audition to be an actress and she just delivers them differently everybody else reads them one way and she just reads it another matter of fact i think she gets she reads them one way and then she reads them again another the the, the more sultry way well there's it, it's it's we talked about this before as a signifier one scene she's practicing her lines and she's actually kind of bad you know, like you could tell she's like a daytime soap type of actress, just whatever. But then when she goes to the, the actual audition, that's when she does a sultry, like really in-depth, like bury herself in the role type of reading. Yeah. And that's like a signifier of what's going on in the movie. But yeah, whatever. So anyways, yes. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in Django Unchained, the scene where he smashes the glass and cuts himself. Yeah. that w- That's a real, that, that happened. And he just continued filming. Mm-hmm. And you could see in his face the pain, the frustration. You you could see that. That's that is all homegrown Leonardo DiCaprio. That is that's not a something... sign of a that's a tier four actor. Yes, because <laughs> callback. Yeah, that's not something that the director gave him and said, "Do it my way, do it this yeah. way." And you you look at and, and that can be a bad thing. That can be a really bad thing because if you look at uh, um. What's his face in the Star Wars prequels? Anakin Skywalker, mm-hmm. uh, Christian Haydenson, Hayden Christensen. <laughs> it's one of Either those way. names. Either way, mannequin. Yeah, you look at the way he's acting. He's in another movie that he filmed around the same time as Star Wars. It's Life as a House, Life as a House, and he's a good actor. Yeah, like he, he's not a bad actor. Yeah, you could tell in Star Wars he was doing what George Lucas told him to do. He was directed by George Lucas to just mm-hmm. be a bad actor, and that like doesn't we need you to be simmering and kind of low key angry. Right. But, well, but really frustrated. It needs to be sh- so. He came off as a wooden, petulant kid. Right, but you look at Ewan McGregor, who's mm-hmm. a fantastic actor. Liam Neeson, fantastic actor. You, Natalie Portman, like you've got these people that they they just they've they're they're actors well i would maintain and, that in those movies that you mcgregor and natalie portman were not up to their own level like like I, I i think i think it's yeah it's all fitting together i think george lucas misdirected them because they're both better actors than they were they were both reading these corny lines and 
they like it, the only reason their their parts were salvageable is because they're both such good actors. Yeah, I would agree. They're still able to shine through with the shitty direction they were given. And poor Jake Lloyd. Yeah, I mean, come on. Well, that was sabotage from the get go, wasn't he? Wasn't George Lucas like, I want a kid that has no acting experience? Like he's yeah. looking for that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, trying to recreate the Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford. Yeah, yeah. You know, Harrison Ford was a carpenter on set who had played like very bit roles in other movies. Mm-hmm. Uh Mark Hamill was a no name. Yeah, he he was like in one one thing or something like that. But it's like the good acting can carry you for a long time. But if you lose the passion for it, all the skill in the world is not going to bring it back. That's what I think. And I feel like your Jim Carrey's and your Eddie Murphy's lost the passion for it. Agreed. Yeah. And and some of that could possibly be they've made as much money as they think they need. Yeah. They're They're not hungry for it anymore. And I wonder how much of it has to do with the outside life too. Like how much of the Hollywood life were they living when they just got burnt out on the entire ordeal? Yeah, that could be. Like I know, I know. For you watch the Chappelle Show, and you can where they have Charlie Murphy, his brother, telling the stories. You get to read between the lines. Eddie Murphy led a coke-fueled, fucking fast-paced life in the 80s, man. He was, I guarantee you, man, that guy woke up in places had no idea what he did the week previous. Yeah. Um, I'm almost certain it is uh, in that podcast, I Was There Too, where somebody was telling a story about acting beside Eddie Murphy in his prime. And there was a, a movie set where they were in like this tent, they were filming like inside this set that was like a tent or whatever. Eddie Murphy drove his car, which was like a Mercedes. He drove his car into the set, <laughs> opened the door, stepped out. They rolled camera. He read his lines, got back in his car and drove away. Oh my God. Like, yeah. If that's, if that's not diva at its mm-hmm. highest level, but that's probably like why he, Got so bad is because he that's the good. Nobody was telling him no, nobody was challenging him, nobody's saying, you know, no way, man. You gotta come here and you gotta actually put forth the effort. It was I'm Eddie fucking Murphy. This movie's gonna make millions just because my name's on it. Fuck you. I'm gonna drive my Mercedes to set. Exactly. (laughs) Into the scene. You're gonna have to manipulate the photography so my car is not in it. (laughs) I'm gonna deliver my lines. You're gonna fucking suck a dick because that's the way I'm doing it. And out, I'm gone. Yep. Which is almost a plot of Bowfinger if you come to think about it. That's weird. Anyways. I'm going to see if I can't find that. I'm, I'm Go ahead and do your thing. I'm just going to see if I can't find which. Uh... Oh, I'll do my thing. I had a, a brief aside where okay. uh, we've been talking about movie, you know, movie stars and stuff like that. Can you think of albums, like music albums, that followed up a huge hit that were super disappointing? Um, well, I can tell you that uh motley crew theater of pain yeah and they knew it if you watch that <laughs> documentary dirt have you seen that yet no i keep meaning to and i never it's actually it's pretty good it's corny I've heard, I've heard it shit, but it's pretty good and they do talk about the fact that uh when they were making theater of pain they're like eh, there's two good songs smoking in the boys room and home sweet home the only two good songs the rest of it's trash and like when i watched it i was like oh fuck you that was a great <laughs> album and then i brought it up and i started listening to it i'm like oh this oh this is terrible this is bad this is like awful music <laughs> so i'd say yeah definitely motley crew uh 
Theater of Pain was definitely, they came back when they were all sober and did Dr. Feelgood, and it was a great album. Mm-hmm. So they didn't completely fall off the cliff, but that was definitely a valley. That was they where were, I was became aware of Motley Crue was Dr. Feelgood. Yeah, and that's, they had done all their damage. They, yeah, came, back, yeah. they came back sober, and uh, that was their first number one album. And it was, it, it's Dog Feelgood is still a fucking awesome album. Well, that song is, I, I love that song. It's one of the best hair metal songs out there. Well, let's not get all here. I said one. It could be one of <laughs> the tw- top 20. It's, I, it's a good song. Yeah, it's good. Uh, but, uh, it's kind of a notorious one. And it's not the one I thought of when I thought of this category, but for, for not for me, but for a lot of people that were around in the day, the Black Album. Yeah, that was definitely a cliff that I, I'm not sure that they ever came back from. Even I will say that their new album that they just put out and Death Magnetic actually are pretty good. Yeah, so, well, I mean, it's kind of the same thing from before. I became aware of Metallica with the Black Album. And then I retroactively started listening to other stuff and fell in love with that too. But for the diehard fans that you know were there from day one, the Black Album is where they sold out. And then definitely when you got to Load, people were like, what the fuck is this? I still thought Load was a good album. Yeah. I love the Black Album. Um, then they went low again, but then they redeemed themselves because they did St. Anger and they... Come on. Forgiven. Stop. <laughs> you couldn't say that with a straight face. Uh, I was just waiting. I was, I was uh, waiting for the explosion at that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, I became aware of Metallica during uh, Injustice for All and retroactively fell in love with it. And then I anticipated the Black Album so much that it didn't matter if it was absolute garbage. The hype was enough for me to love it. And it was, I, I feel like the Black Album is great. I know there are a lot of purists that hate that album, but, mm-hmm. I, you know, it does it for me. I, I, I heard some it. people say stuff like, I like the album, but I just don't consider it Metallica anymore. You know, right. Oh, yeah. They sold out and all that. It's, right, right. They, they brought in a big time producer and they put together mm. an epic album. Um, epic. Epic. God, I love saying that. Mm. Uh, I, I think um, musicians are harder because with musicians, they're more like there are more one hit wonders. Yeah, yeah that's a lot of that than in in uh acting maybe i'm wrong but it just seems like there's way more one-hit wonders but you take somebody like alanis morissette that that jagged little pill album was like through the stratosphere Mm -hmm. and then she followed it up and i think the follow-up album was like forced on the radio and then you know hasta la vista baby well the good thing about musicians for them at least is that you get one you get two definitely but even like one really good album under your belt you can live off that for the rest of your life yeah i'm not just talking well sure. you can you could tour do guest spots whatever and if like, you want rights to it you can you know other people can record it and you can collect money from that yeah wait for guardians of the galaxy come around and you can all of a sudden <laughs> your royalties go through the roof again you know but yeah you can you can live off of like and this speaks more to my idea of people have a certain amount of creativity in them like that really is a plus artist of whatever stripe, like uh, especially music artists or something like that. Like you can have, you can sit there and you can meticulously put out two good albums and conceivably that could be it for the rest of your life. You got right. nothing more to say. Like look well, at Paul McCartney, like he, him and the Beatles, they made great music. Then he did wings and they had a couple of hits, 
And then if you hear some of the stuff he's trying to make these days, you're like, if he started with that, nobody would have given two shits. Right. You know? Well, the thing about music is how many people have to get paid from one song. Like the person writing the song gets paid. The person performing the song gets paid. Mm -hmm. The person recording the song gets paid. Like the distributor, the, the yeah. everybody gets paid. So if here's the thing is Eddie Vedder said it once after, I don't know. It, I think it was Vitology, Vitology mm-hmm. that came out and there was some criticism for it and criticism on him specifically. Maybe it was verses cause it wasn't as good. And he told the story of like, like if I was going to, if I wanted to, I could just go in my basement and strum the guitar and make music and sell it. And people would lap it up, you know, mm-hmm. like he was, he was riding high and kind of defending himself against the criticism. But there's something to be said about that, that Paul McCartney wrote those songs with, you know, other people. And right. Right. And, and, and to be honest, he doesn't own his music. That that's another thing that you, they touch on a little bit in that documentary dirt. They say they make a statement that not even the Beatles own their own songs. So Mm -hmm. the Beatles don't own the rights to their songs, So they're not making the kind of money off it. So, here he is making all this music that you can't turn on a TV and listen to five minutes of commercials without hearing some sort of ditty that the Beatles. So somebody, whoever owns that music is raking in the money. So Paul McCartney thinks to himself, fuck this, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to write my own music. I'm going to write, mm-hmm. perform and distribute my own music, which is actually easier nowadays i think it might have been more difficult back in the day but now with all the streaming services i mean if we wanted to get paid for this podcast we absolutely could it might not be a lot of money but we could sure share the profits but like there are musicians we could be sitting here strumming a guitar just making up music putting it on a service and then collecting the money from that and we'd be the ones getting paid Mm mm-hmm and I think that that's kind of what Paul McCartney is thinking is like, hey, I can write the music, I can perform the music, I can record the music, and I can distribute the music all myself. Now, distrib- distribution's a little bit harder. You probably He probably couldn't do that. But writing, performing, and recording, that's three people you don't have to pay. You're paying yourself. Yeah, exactly. And, and if, you, if, you're, if you're tapped out, like Paul McCartney's probably tapped right the fuck out. He probably, you know... I, there was a day when Paul McCartney was so talented. Uh, here's a little bit of trivia for you. He wrote the song for Live and Let Die for the mm-hmm. James Bond film. And I don't know if you know anything about how James Bond movies get their, their songs. Um, but, not particularly. Okay, so you know how every James Bond film opens with some sort of musical yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so like Sheena Easton did uh, "For Your Eyes Only," and I'm almost certain Prince wrote that song. I I could be wrong, but pretty sure Prince wrote all Sheena Easton songs. So yeah, but okay, so Sheena Easton did "For Your Eyes Only." Uh, Madonna did uh, "You Only Live Twice," I think. Anyway, so there are these bands that write these songs that they submit for James Bond movies, and yeah. they don't get accepted. So uh that's not the way it always is but so there's a whole bunch of music out there that should have been james bond uh songs and just <laughs> uh someday we'll Ultimate talk realities 
we, yeah, we should we should do a James Bond podcast so I can talk about <laughs> how James Bond music's done. The point I'm trying to make is Paul McCartney was so talented once they came to him and asked him if he would write a song for live and let die they left he had that song written in like a couple hours (laughs) he purposely didn't call them back for two weeks when he called them back and played the song for them they loved it and the reason why he did that was he thought that if he called them too soon that they would think that he rushed it and wouldn't accept it it's probably right yeah probably right yeah. But that's how talented he is, is they said, hey, we want you to write this song. It's, you know, blah, 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 blah. And he just, bam, cranked it mm-hmm. out that same day. Live and Let Die. It's a great yeah. song. And that's insane talent. And he's not that creative anymore. I'm, like, I'm sorry. If you listen to this, like, in the last couple of years, he's come out with a couple of new songs, at least. Maybe not a whole album. They're fine. I mean, the songs aren't the I'm like, wow, what a pile of crap that is. But they're not the greatest. They're kind of like milk toast, middle of the road, bland songs. But and maybe it's because you you're used to like it's just not what I know. Like if he was a brand new, if he wrote it for somebody else and somebody performed that, maybe it'd have legs under it. Maybe, but I don't think so because there's yeah. nothing very distinctive about him. But what I was just gonna say, what I was thinking of, I don't know how much a big a fan you were, but you ever listen to Lincoln Park much? Yes. Lincoln Park's first two albums I thought were amazing. 2000 for Hybrid Theory, Meteora was 2003. Those first two albums I thought were so good, like pure gold. Every song on the, every track on the album was great. I loved them all. So when their third album was coming out, Minutes to Midnight in 2007, I remember because I had just moved out to Maine. It, uh, I bought it song unheard. Like I just, boom, straight out, I just bought it. Yep. And it was crap. The, the single, the big single from that album was on the first Transformers movie or something. Yeah. And it was like, I don't, I can't, to this day, I can't put my finger on it, but I just remember listening to it. I listened to the entire album once when I bought it, stuck it in my CD player in my car, like a couple of drives to and from work that, that week. And I listened to the whole thing and I was like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> like not a single song was worth listening to. And I'm not saying they're plugging my ears going, oh, these are terrible. They're that's like, they're all just bland uninteresting cookie cutter songs they all bled together yeah it's like and from that on not a single lincoln park song i ever heard after that was any good and they put out a lot of fucking albums let's see they have one two you know who i feel that way with seven albums and the first two are the only good ones i have something another band that that happened to me is uh weezer yeah weezer was on a list i looked at yeah yep weezer to me fell off a cliff matter of fact they just put out an album of like cover songs and I, uh, it shows up on my Spotify every once in a while. I am not interested. I did just... a cover of uh, Africa. Yes. Toto's Africa, which I actually like. But it's a cover, so you can't really give them a lot of credit for it. Yeah, and, and I almost don't like it because Weezer did it. <laughs> the only saving grace is when they did it live. Weird Al Yankovic did it with them. Oh, really? I didn't see that. Yeah. Yeah, like that, whatever album Say It Ain't So was on, Buddy Holly, that was a, I love yeah, that album. album. Yeah, the Say It Ain't So was an 90s anthem i love that song yeah but yeah after that they did really like beverly hills and island in the sun like these like pop catchy kitschy songs it's like what the hell happened you actually used to be serious what what the fuck yeah i don't know pointing let me let me play let me tell you some of the james bond songs that didn't make the cut Mm. johnny cash did thunderball which uh didn't make it alice cooper did the man with a golden gun didn't make it (laughs) 
Blondie did for your eyes only. Huh. That didn't make it. And then Pet Shop Boys did the Living Daylights. Ace of Base did the Juvenile for the, <laughs> for the Goldeneye movie. And it's actually it's it's actually an interesting story. They thought it was golden hair and like good Nazis, so they like, yeah, we want to do the song for it. Yeah, they they changed it was Goldeneye, but they changed it to Juvenile. Um let me let me give you this little blurb. Ace of Base, the Juvenile, Goldeneye, 1995. After recording the theme song, the Swedish pop band's producers decided that the project was beneath them. The group changed the chorus and released the song as The Juvenile to little <laughs> critical acclaim and general public indifference. Yeah. Meanwhile, Tina Turner belted her way through the Goldeneye theme song, proving that nobody is too big for Bond. <laughs> uh, Ace of Base, never heard of them. They yeah. could disappeared. Amy Winehouse did Quantum of Solace. I'm actually, I don't, I, I want to hear that song. Um, mm. And then uh, Shirley Bassey did No Good About Goodbye for Quantum of Solace. Didn't make it. Muse did Supremacy for Skyfall. So anyway, there's there's a there's a handful of songs out there that didn't make it as Bond themes that are actually kind of good songs. Hmm. Anyway. They should make an alternate album or something like that. Just, they'd probably make money off of it. Yeah. Well, we should do a James Bond podcast. You should. I could talk about the three Bond movies I ever saw. No. <laughs> I love James Bond. They're filming right now in Jamaica for the next movie, Bond 25. Yeah. So it's called Bond 25? <laughs> no, but whenever they're filming, they they don't give it a name until the end, you know, like, ooh, they're going to release the name. But previous to that, they, they just call it the Bond and then whatever hmm. film it is. So In the pretty... fullness of pants. Yes. That sounds like a James Bond title, I think. It should be. Goddamn right. Um, I mean, you tell me what quantum sauce means. Nothing. That's what. Well, it's the the quantum group. You didn't. You never watched them, so don't even. I saw there's quantum a, sauce. Did you? Yeah, I actually kind of liked I, it. I saw all the Daniel Craig ones. Actually, quantum of solace. Each Bond movie has a cold. Well, not all of them do, but one of the traits of the Bond movies is they have a cold open, where it shows James Bond doing something in the mm-hmm. field, mission wise, and then it goes to the Bennett. Has the parkour, doesn't it? No, Quantum of Solace has my favorite cold open, and that's the Aston Martin in the tunnel with the machine oh, guns right, right, and the right. in the uh, quarry. Yeah, it's um, Casino Royale that has the parkour. Yeah, you're right, and that's actually not the cold open. Hmm. It it is towards the beginning of the movie, but it's not the cold open. I believe the cold open of that movie is where he's getting his, in order to, um, you know what? Let's save this for the uh, James <laughs> Bond podcast. I feel, I feel like we've strayed too far. We need to move on. It's true. I think we've, we've, I think we've said what we need to say about the topic. People suck. They get sucky. Time kills everything. It's all depressing, grinding slog toward the grave. <laughs> and By the way, on that note, yeah. Today's my birthday. I uh, <laughs> I wonder why actually, I was thinking that. Hmm. Actually, yesterday was your birthday, so. Oh shit! You're right. Unless <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna tell me it's fucking daylight savings. No, I actually uh, it's last month, and I almost like did a podcast wa- just for that. I wanted so bad to podcast yeah. just because of it, yeah. but I think I can't remember what we were doing. It would have worked because I woke up in the morning going, "What the fuck?" <laughs> Not gonna lie. Yeah. All right. Look that's at my fine. Clock, I was like, "What? What the hell's happening?" Well, at least you're consistent. Yeah. <laughs> if nothing else, you're consistent. Uh, yes. Uh, nothing else about describes it. Yeah. Uh, so. Well, let's move on to philosophy. 
Well, wait, do you have an unpopular opinion? Because I actually have an unpopular opinion, too. Ooh, I don't, but go ahead and hit me with your unpopular opinion. We can talk I got, about that. I got so many of these. The more I think about it, the more I'm like, fuck the world. Everybody's wrong. <laughs> You're such a grumpy person. <laughs> um, Robin Williams was not that funny. You shut your whore mouth. See, I will say Robin <laughs> Williams was a really good dramatic actor. That's where he shined. His comedic roles, I never found funny almost at all. Like, like the more I think about it, I, I, I was thinking about it. I'm like, his stand-up, his comedies, not that good. All right. You ready for my take on that? Genie. The genie from Aladdin is... one. That's the one shining spot. Pure gold. Uh, I remember watching Mork and Mindy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mork from that show was just absolutely bizarre, mm-hmm. which I think was the appeal. I don't yeah. think it was necessarily like his best role simply because of that. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I wasn't a huge fan of the birdcage. Uh, I never saw that one. Yeah, that one was, I mean, it, it gave him an opportunity to flaunt his, uh, his ability <laughs> to be flamboyant. Oh, it, this is okay. I'm going to give you the opportunity right now. Okay. You prove me right, so you're welcome. Um, if you could describe why Robin Williams' sense of humor generalized, what is it that he does on stage, in front of the camera, whatever? What is he going to do, whatever role he's given? Just, and I guarantee you're going to say the same thing I'm thinking. You guarantee it? So, okay. Yes. This is what I'm going to say, and I'm sorry if I disappoint you. I'm going to say it's a cocaine-fueled rant. Yes. <laughs> With okay. funny voices. Yes. Yeah. He, That's it. That that yeah. was exactly. It was it was high energy ADD, just cocaine fueled runaway just, train, cocaine fueled rant with funny voices. That yes. was all he ever did. He I remember in his, comedic, okay. in his comedic roles, in his dramatic roles, the one hour photo like we talked about, insomnia, um, what dreams may come, goodwill hunting. He was goodwill really, hunting, yeah. Dead Poet Society. He was actually really good in those movies. Yeah, like he did. He was a really good actor when he was serious. When he was trying to be funny. It was too much, too quick. Nothing landed. It, his entire stick was, look at me, I can do a funny... Like This is why the genie was good, because he was a living cartoon character. So when he was actually a cartoon character at work, you can um, see the visuals to go along with his funny voices. I, I do remember he does... Uh, oh, I, I've got, I've got a, a real unpopular opinion that's going to just piggyback onto <laughs> what you said, is uh, I thought Mrs. Doubtfire was terrible. Yeah. I never liked that movie. I never. Good Morning Vietnam was like a hybrid of dramatic comedy. Yeah, I. I so it was I will okay. Say, I I absolutely love Goodwill. A uh, Good Morning Vietnam. Good Morning Vietnam. I liked well enough. I can't, I can't say I loved it, but I, yeah. I I didn't hate it. But that was because that piggybacked onto his dramatic chops. Never saw Popeye. Never cared to. Um, but yeah, The Birdcage. I didn't have any desire to see that. Mrs. Doubtfire. I never liked. I never actually liked it at all. Um. Yeah, any like his stand-up. I've seen him do stand-up, his stuff with Billy Crystal and Whoopi Goldberg, anything. His any appearance he made on a talk show, people were dying laughing. And I feel like they were being nice to him because at well, that time he was comedy royalty. Yeah, and he does a really funny bit on golf. I think that that's pretty good. He does a pretty good like Scottish accent. Yeah, I was gonna say, what accent does he use? Yeah, Scottish. <laughs> what and voice I think does he does? Yeah. He talks about golf. That's actually really funny. Um, no, you're wrong. You're wrong. I'm sorry. Well, okay. now you know. Now I, you know I think that 
I think that you would be right. He's a better dramatic actor than he is a comedian. And I think that his comedy, probably, if you're going to find uh, a gem, you're going to be digging. It was his, bad. His comedy is uh, an acquired taste. And bad. he, I will say that I've, I've laughed at some of his stand-up. I will. Uh, I never have. But like, if I'm listening to something comedies, like, like uh, Sirius has comedy ch- channels or any kind of streaming service or anything like Pandora, if you type in, you know, stand-up and you listen to like just bits from different comedians, anytime they get to Robin Williams, I skip. I go, I, I skip it or change the channel or something. Yeah. I've never, ever, ever, ever enjoyed his comedy. His dramatic movies, I will watch over and over again. Never enjoy his comedy. There well, you go. If he Stock had, capillaries. Come out with the pitchforks and torches. If he hadn't committed suicide, he could have appeared on Arrested Development and all would have been forgiven. There you go. Could have done a voice. Alas, he, he's dead. Well, that's a, that's a pretty good unpopular opinion because I feel like there are many people right mm-hmm. now that are like, what? You're crazy. But Robin Williams is my hero. No, no. If everybody's honest with themselves, I'd say that you know there, there are people that are purists that would be like, ah, Mrs. Doubtfire is a great movie. Uh Watch um, it again. I challenge you to watch it again. Yeah. The Birdcage is a great movie. Eh. Flubber is so good. Eh. Mm. You know, yeah. like his dramatic roles absolutely by a mile they outweigh his comedic roles. Exactly. Especially Goodwill Hunting. That is such a good movie. It is. It's really good. Dead Poet Society was I saw like a couple times back in the nineties. And I really liked it. Yeah. Good. 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 That was All a good right. unpopular opinion. Do you got philosophy? I have, well, I don't have philosophy so much as I have a question. If you remember back in the eighties, there was a board game that my parents had that I never really, I I was, I think I was too young to really understand it. I do remember Uh, that called scruples. Actually, I remember seeing that, but never playing it somewhere. My school or a family member, somebody had that, but it didn't have all the parts to it. I don't know how you advance in the game like i don't know how that how you advance i just don't remember i i don't know like did you have pieces on a board i yeah the I couldn't bottom tell line is is i know that there is uh you you ask each other questions of like what what you would have done in certain situations let me give you a couple examples i have some of the cards here hmm. so i'm assuming like if if it's played correctly you pull a card and you have to ask the question of the group uh in a parking lot, you accidentally dent someone's car with your car door. Do you leave a note? Okay. Uh, that seems pretty easy. The real question would be, would you leave money or your information or something? Yeah. Uh, during a meeting, a valued client makes some offensive racist remarks. Do you make an issue of it? Uh, you are phoning a friend at 2 a.m. and accidentally dial another friend by mistake. When the sleepy voice answers, do you identify yourself? Um, <laughs> See, this is definitely an 80s game because these days it'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'd have to because otherwise I'll just look at caller ID or whatever. And yeah, I'm not going to skate through this. <laughs> a friend invites you to bingo and pays for your card. You win five hundred dollars. Do you share your winnings? Hmm. Um, yeah, here's a dollar back. <laughs> yeah. So uh, a house painter asks why you didn't hire him. The only problem is his lack of personal hygiene. Do you tell him? Like there were these, you know, questions that tested people's scruples. Mm-hmm. They, they were philosophy questions or, or in some way related to philosophy. Like, what would you do as a human being? Um, I just don't know how you advanced in the game. But I just, it was interesting to me because my parents had it. I don't, my parents played a lot of board games. Like, we had game night and stuff with friends and stuff. I never saw them play this. Mm-hmm. But I, 
I'm curious as to probably because it breaks up friendships. Like, wow, you're an evil son of a bitch, aren't you? Don't come to my house yeah. anymore. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how you would win. It just seems to me that it would be hard to win at this. A friend offers to hook you into a pay TV for two dollars. He says the risk is of, of being detected is slight. Do you tune in? Whoa, shit. Oh, here's a good one. You are a high school <laughs> principal, huh? Sorry, that was technical difficulties. My headphones popped off. Anyway. You are a high school principal. Will you hire a competent teacher who was a homosexual? Like that was nineteen eighty. <laughs> that was nineteen eighty six. Wow. It's like yes. Otherwise, I won't have a job anymore. Right. So anyway, I just my my curiosity, my my philosophy bit was: Do you remember that game? And if you do, how do you play it? Yep, I remember seeing it, but never knowing what the hell it was because nobody I knew actually played it. I'm gonna do quick. I remember wanting was it like Scrabble, and they don't know how to spell Scrabble? I don't know. <laughs> uh scruples the game of moral dilemmas mm -hmm. uh to begin generally scruples is played in a living room setting <laughs> <laughs> not the basement take a pack of yellow question cards and give each player five put the rest face down on the coffee table so they're assuming that you're in a living room with a coffee table mm. shuffle the red answer cards and give each player one the card will say yes no or depends place the rest face down beside the yellow deck Look at your cards, but don't show anyone your answer. Ignore the ballot cards, those with pitchforks and halo. Okay. The winner is the first person to get rid of his five yellow question cards. Moving clockwise from the dealer, take turns posing a question to any other player. If that player's answer matches your answer card, you get rid of the question you asked. You have only four yellow cards left and are closer to winning. Hmm. So this is this is a lot like uh, not so much what you would do, it's what, what you guess somebody else would do. Yeah, that's okay, okay. So that's what it is. That's how you play. All right, might be fun, like a proto Cards Against Humanity, maybe. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Never really played that though. So well, there's a a milder version of Cards Against Humanity called Apples to Apples that we uh -huh. play that we play quite often, and it's you have to match, you have to try and match. There's one person. That, that you take turns and there's one person that pulls a card with a saying on it and you have cards with, you know, other sayings on it that might match that. And you have to try and put your card down and be the one that's chosen. It's, it's, it's just like cards against humanity. Only it's rated G <laughs> the training wheels for it. Yeah. Drop a couple F bombs as time goes on, get them ready for the real thing. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So what's your philosophy question? Okay, let's see what we got here. Okay, this one's called, it's a thought experiment. It's called The Life You Can Save. And yeah, I pulled a lever. Nah, nah, not that. The doctor no. couldn't work on the sun because it's the mom. Okay, oh, I'm done. Right, right, I got you. I, that took me a second. Ah, I got you. Okay, so imagine this is, somebody came up with this in 2009, so this is modern philosophy. Imagine you're walking down the street and notice a child, <clears throat> notice a child drowning in a lake. So you can swim, you're close enough, and if you act immediately, you can save the kid. However, doing so ruins your expensive shoes. Do you still have an obligation to save the child? Is this the Jerry Seinfeld Good Samaritan Law episode? <laughs> Just don't make fun of the kid. You'll be okay. No. I, I think as a human being, you have the obligation to try and save a life, regardless of property value. So, okay. Yeah, that's the, that's the hitch. Like, do you, not should you, but do you have an obligation to save the child? Yeah, I, I mean... It's not the same as a doctor taking the Hippocratic Oath, but if you're a human being on this planet, mm -hmm. you are life and death is different than uh, 
helping someone with opportunities, I guess is the way I'm, because I'm thinking about they're starving people all over the planet. And if I, yep, there it is. What? That's the other part of it. Oh, if you say, if you say yes, um, I'm like, you're absolutely obliged. All you're going to do is ruin an expensive pair of shoes, but you're going to save a life. Then the next time you see that Sally Struthers commercial with the starving Africans and you don't donate, what's the difference? I think, like I said, the difference is I'm in an immediate position to save somebody's life versus if I'm watching Sally Struthers on TV and donate money, I'm there's there's no guarantee of me giving a dollar to save a life. Now, if I were putting the hands in a starving person's, you know, if if I were taking a dollar bill and putting it or a cheeseburger in front of somebody that is absolutely starving to death, like they're mm-hmm. going to die by starving, then yes, I think that's the same thing. But I don't think it's the same thing as picking up the phone and donating money to an anonymous person on the other end of the phone who could be doing God knows what with the money, who knows how much of it goes back to the people that it's saving. And I am not actually fully in charge of where that money goes and how that saves that person's life versus if, if I'm on the bank of a river and I see somebody who's actually going underwater and I can save them, Mm -hmm. that's, that's, I think that's a different thing. I agree with you. The guy that made, that came up with this, um, he said his, his opinion was there is no moral difference between saving the drowning kid and then donating to a organization to save a starving kid in another continent. He says, you have to save the distant one to put your money where your mouth is, blah, 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 blah. I agree with you because there is a, in fact, I'd say there's a difference between even that. There's a disconnect. Like, okay, Sally Struthers, I don't even know which one she was doing back in the day, but how much of that, you're right, how much of my money is going to that actual, that kid? How much is going to the organization to pay the big wigs at top? How much, and they've done this study where, you know, Americans and Europeans and all the rich first world countries are throwing money at all these organizations and it's actually hurting the Af- the African countries. I think I've said this before. Yeah, we've talked about it by the-, the free food is undercutting any incentive for people to start their own farms and shit like that because they can't compete with free food. Yeah, and that that becomes a personal philosophy thing too where, you know, it's because you've come to that conclusion and you understand because how many people watching that commercial don't understand the mm-hmm. implications of donating and giving yeah. free things. I send a dollar, this kid's going to get a dollar. You know, that's what you think is supposed to happen. That is not what happened. Or maybe the organization is on the up and up, but they're bringing like the UN or the whatever the organization is, they're bringing these supplies in, these foods in that's been donated and paid for, and they have no way to distribute it because the country is run by warlords that say, yeah, yeah, give us the stuff and we'll give it to our people. And then they and, they and they sit on it and use it as another thing to bolster their own power. That happens all the time too. Or you can even get get away from the Africa thing or like the poor parts of Asia or all these places. Go home, go to a busy city and see the guy in the street corner begging for money. What's your first thought? He's going to use it for he, booze. Yeah. How, is he going to use it for booze? How much does he actually need it? You know, because this has been documented again and again and again, is these people that could very well be getting a job doing something else, but they're making more money begging. So they're just going to keep doing it. Okay. Well, I'm just, I'm going to go extreme here Mm. and say, what is the difference between saving the kid drowning in the river? And so if you say, if you say, I'm going to save this child in this river, 
then you have to go to medical school and learn how to be a doctor and then save all the people you can medically. Yeah, like, for the for the analogy to be equivalent. For, yeah, right. So this guy who says there's no difference, there's no difference in picking up the phone and calling Sally Struthers. There's no difference in going to college for eight years to learn how to be a doctor to take out somebody as appendix. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, like that that spirals out of control. There's no end to that. That That's a ridiculous argument. I'm not saying that you're ridiculous. I'm saying that the person that posed this is not right. Exactly. That, that's not, it's not realistic in any way, shape or form. It's, it's totally and completely a trap. And, uh, I think that, do I think that this world would be a better place if we all did do something? Yes, absolutely. My, my personal philosophy is you take care of yourself first. You, you just make sure you've right. got everything you need. And then you make sure the people living in your house have everything they need. And then you make sure your neighbor has everything they need. And then you make sure your town has everything you need. And then you make sure your county has, you know what I mean? Like you go mm -hmm. as far as you can to help as much as you can. And I think that if every single person followed that philosophy where we all took care of ourselves, then took care of our family, then took care of our neighbor, I think that this would be a fantastic, like nobody, yeah, oh, yeah, nobody exactly. would go hundred. We wouldn't have a homeless problem because in reality, the people who are the closest to those people that are homeless should be doing something to help them. Like, yeah. Or you have people that are homeless like that for, let's be frank for a reason because they're terrible, terrible people. They right. and, every opportunity they have, they've ruined every relationship they've ever been a part of. So they've been rejected and pushed out of everywhere they've been. So why would you want to just double down and help? You know, why would you throw money down a hole? Basically as horrible as that sounds. Right. Well, like, and like there's people that are homeless. that are like, I got belt a dad, dealt a bad hand, or belt a dad hand. I don't know. If that's that could be it too. <laughs> Nothing worse than getting belted a dad hand. Woo. Oh my dad hand! Uh, oh, I got belted again, <laughs> right across the ass cheek. But yeah, you got you got people genuinely, maybe even most, are genuinely like life to be rotten and things went bad, and I just need a helping hand. I would help those guys all day long if I within my means without beggaring myself. Right. But I don't know who they are. I don't know because. We've all seen, like, especially you and me, where we're at, we've seen those fucking assholes yep. who basically are street people and they deserve to fucking be street people because they're the worst. They're the, and quite frankly, there's quite a few of them that want to be. Yeah, they don't ever want to be anything else. Well, and I think that that's been from for a long time and not to get sidetracked on this whole transient thing, but there's a whole like history of hobos they have their own language and the transient population has their own like code of rules and, and, uh, Oh, that was that song. It's, it's at the beginning of, uh, Oh brother, where art thou with the big rock candy mountain where the, the, basically the song is just celebrating the transient lifestyle of not being tied down and going mm -hmm. from town to town, begging for a sandwich and, you know, booze and, you know, like there, there's certainly, portion of the homeless population that is that's the way they want to live that's yeah that's that, that's what they know that's what they're comfortable with no responsibility you know some the trading security for irresponsibility right nobody depends and, on me nobody needs me i can just do what i want am i do i always know where i'm gonna get my next meal no but i'm willing to make that sacrifice right i'm gonna walk into the store and i'm gonna steal a sandwich i'm gonna eat the sandwich and have my meal yes i might get arrested and spend the night in jail but guess what i'm gonna get when i'm in jail yeah I'm, a meal. I'm getting three meals. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I know that we've gone a long way from starving children in Africa to the homeless (laughs) population here, but uh, there is a real issue with, with the famine. And even in our own country, there are people that don't have enough to eat it. Absolutely. Not, not to get too sappy, but it, it breaks my heart that there are children, even in my town, Mm -hmm. there are kids that the school will pack up extra food for them to take home because that's the only food they're going to get. And that absolutely breaks my heart. I, and you know, it's something that what we've talked about, uh, part of this whole making money and going, doing all the overtime and getting debt free, the end result, like it's all in baby steps, baby, baby step ones, two, three, four, five. The last step is giving. Mm-hmm. And so we've talked about quite a bit, like what, what are our plans for giving? And if you follow the plans perfectly, there's tithing and I don't believe in tithing. So, you know, that's mm-hmm. out the window, but we've talked about where we're going to like, where we're going to give, what, what is it that we're both passionate about? And the number one thing that I'm passionate about is food banks and giving food to families locally that are my neighbors, the people that just the kids that don't have enough to eat that that's probably my weak spot when See, it, when it me, comes if, to this kind of stuff if i had extra money for that i'd probably be like a free clinic or something like that abortion like, clinic free abortions that's right abortions for everybody <laughs> even men yeah hey buddy in. you want an abortion we can make it happen don't even ask <laughs> yeah freebies like, like you you look at me like how do i get an abortion i have neither a baby nor a uterus look we can make it happen yeah it's 2019 it's free. Do you really want to turn down something that's free? And I think people would line up for it. Actually, in my experience, okay, so he, around these parts, if you put something on your front lawn free, you can't get rid of it. But if you put something on your front <laughs> lawn for five bucks, it's right. gone that day. So All that's right, what you got to do. $5 abortions. You got to do a clinic for $5 abortions. And I'll be like I'm Lucy from, you, the, from the peanuts, put my little booth <laughs> up, kind of. No, I'm thinking more like playfully misspell the name abortions with a ch or something like that. When you said Lucy, I thought you were talking about I love Lucy when she had all the chocolates on the conveyor belt and she's tucking <laughs> them in her shirt. <laughs> That's how you're gonna run your abortion clinic. <laughs> conveyor belt. So, like, what are the chocolates in this analogy? Fetuses. <laughs> oh my god. Well, that's awful. <laughs> okay. No, I, I like it. A b o r c h i o n s. Five dollars. I'll put a little booth up, put a sign, put like a little surgical mask on my face so I look legit and maybe a scalpel. Yeah. And that way people can't see me smiling creepy either. And <laughs> I think I think I could drop them some business. Yeah. I can see where your priorities are. Mm-hmm. Uh so really, what kind of clinic? Like health clinic, like a free, like oh, free health care. Like free health clinic type of thing. Like you walk in, you get some antibiotics and secrets secrets people come in and they're like yeah i got i've had this sore throat real bad yeah well <laughs> here's here's some here's some uh aspirin a chicken soup and robitussin bank there you go you just walk there in you get some robitussin some chicken soup some jewish penicillin yep <laughs> is that racist yeah probably really racist i don't know anymore i'm I think telling you listen between the two of us my abortion thing and your jew thing one of us was offensive and it wasn't me <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm, Google I'm Jewish penicillin. Okay, Jew. It, okay, Jew. Jew. No, it's, Google five dollar abortions. Go all in. It's everywhere, and the liberals abortion. are saying it. Nope, liberals are saying it, so it's not offensive. Ah, there you go. Yeah, the Huffington Post has it. The high priest of tolerance is spoken, so we're okay. 
Yeah, the Huffington Post says chicken soup really is Jewish penicillin for your cold. Mom was right. So there you go. I can't be offensive because nope. Look at the comments. The comments will steer you straight. Okay, now I'm now I'm gonna Google five dollar abortion. <laughs> Google image five dollar. No. <laughs> okay, so you know how uh, it's Google has suggestions. Mm-hmm. So I put in five dollar abortions, and it's suggested to take off the dollar sign. It just says five abortion side effects. <laughs> five abortions. Five abortions and pregnant again. Five abortions safe? Question mark. Five ab- abortions, five months, abortions, five weeks. <laughs> Can five abortions cause infertility? And then Fox five abortions. Nah, there it is. No. So not sure what you're going to get for business, but it doesn't look like there's much competition. Some Somewhere somebody was the first person to turn oil into gasoline. You know, somebody's blazing that trail. I will be. Are you going to burn fetuses? the fetus out? Yeah. Not while they're inside a person. Well, and notice I said person, not woman, because that's I'm not. Still thinking, that's, I'm that still a, sticking to the aborting males. Type is that implode? 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 I don't implude. even know. No, I. You gotta make up a fake sounding but medical term. Implosions. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Woman implosions. Five. No, that's where I get it. I'm not even gonna do the abortion. The five dollar implosions. Yeah. When people come up to wonder what the fuck an implosion is, I explain it to them, and, and they're already they give on the you five dollars. They're already on the hook. They're already yeah. intrigued. You owe me, and actually, uh, you can give them their their medical bill statements right there. So when right we now. remove the male's vestigio, <laughs> so they can't have babies for three whole weeks, three moons, three moons, <laughs> three harvest cycles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i like it and a I'm, I'm, I'm glad i'm on the ground floor of this thing yeah what invest invest now i'm telling yeah. you all I'll right put your name on the patron sign i, I brought to you I, by tom with them implosions <laughs> womb implosions womb implosions by tom with them made possible by tom with them yeah five dollars Pro- produced by tom with them executive <laughs> executive decisions by tom with them bargains ahoy under the supervision of tom with <laughs> uh so i don't even know what we're doing anymore so you want to move on to trivia we got we got some all right i'll 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 go first just because my trivia doesn't mean doesn't amount to shit and my dog's breathing on me all heavy i gotta get rid of this my trivia is so not really a trivia but i'm gonna couch in trivia terms so here we go heck where'd it go okay here we go well that just sucked Oh, sometimes I hate this shit. modern age with the yeah. internet. You'd think once they figured out iPhones, they'd figure out how to. Okay, I found it. Again. Which 1980s theme song was entirely instrumental and reached number one in multiple countries? Axel F. Wow, you're good. Is it? The theme song from Beverly Hills Cop was number yeah! three on Billboard charts when first released. However, two decades later, it became number one in multiple countries after a remix was done by the animated character Crazy Frog for a ringtone company, Jamster. Axel F, baby. Bring it full circle, man. You Wait, know how old eight. I was? How long after I saw Beverly Hills Cop that I realized Axel F was Axel Foley? I, I feel like we've talked about that, but I... I was fully in my 20s, like mid to late 20s before I realized Axel F meant Axel Foley. Dang. I thought, I legit thought it was like a musical term that I just didn't get the reference to. <laughs> well, yeah, you, when you're playing <laughs> synthesizer, the axle, the axle needs to be turned to the F position yeah, in yeah. order to achieve the 808 beat. Anyway. 
I like it. That's not a very eerie night. All right. So mine is going to, I'm going to give you a movie title of an actual movie. I want to see if you can tell me what the plot is. Ooh, I like this. Do you like it? All right. This is a movie. I've never seen it, but this is, I'm sure this is a real movie. This is our version of Forgotten Classics. Kind of, yeah. Ant Farm Dickhole. (laughs) I'm not not kidding. That's not real. I am not kidding. I'm looking at a still picture of it. I bet you Google it. It comes right up. Ant Farm Dickhole. It's a legitimate movie. That's the first line. Wait. So the name of the movie is Ant Farm, and the the first line is Dick Hole. No, the name of the movie is Ant Farm Dick Hole. The whole thing is called Ant Farm Dick Hole. The, the okay. whole title, Ant Farm Dick Hole. All right. Uh, the plot is a man is so enamored with his ant farm that he funnels the ants into his dick, and they create an ant hole or an ant farm <laughs> in his testicles. And they use his dickhole uh, as means of egress. Um, yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> How could it not be that? The the means and the motivations you're get, you're a little off on, but the the way it plans out is correct. So, so there's an okay. Go ahead. Well, I was going to read the synopsis, but if you want another try, go go ahead. No, I I'm I'm looking up the uh, movie poster. <laughs> All right, so I'll just read what it has here. The plot involves a guy that gets bullied and ants climb up into his dick, make a nest, and when he gets upset, they come out and attack and kill the person upsetting him. Things get weird to a whole new level when him and his girlfriend have sex and the ants eat her from the inside out. Uh, I'm looking at um, Ant Farm Dickle and I am going to just do a little advisory right now. I do not recommend anybody Google Ant Farm Dickhole. Just yeah, I'm totally not doing that right now at all. I'm just saying it's a it's a bad idea because we have other movies such as Santa Claus Serial Rapist. Mm-hmm. That's some high quality fake ants they got on this woman here. How about uh, Dick Shark? The shark that's a, that's a dick. Yep. Like an asshole well, it's, shark. It's actually it's a no. It's a penis. That's a shark. Oh, I thought maybe it was like a jerk shark that was bullying the other sharks. Dick shark. Uncut. I'm going <laughs> to get it. Get it. Because it's not Jewish. Yeah. I'm watching the trailer for Ant Farm, Ant Farm Dickhole right now. And it is it is some top quality shit, man. Is it? Uh, that's good. All right. That was my trivia question. You did pretty good, I think. You got you got it mostly right. Uh, I'm just going to say that it's a win for everybody because now everybody is aware of the film Ant Farm Dickhole. Your world is enriched you're welcome well, then. all right i guess I, that's it for our that that's it wow there are going to be so many happy people that we have a new episode until they listen I, to it i can <laughs> think it <laughs> no i yeah i i think that everybody will be on board up until the five dollar abortion part <laughs> and we as, may lose as they should be hey folks uh we just had some technical difficulty and uh i'm gonna blame it on steve because he's not here to defend himself. So I'm going to sign off for him. And uh, I'm uh, Tom, the Amazon history deleter. And speaking for Steve, he is Bob, Scientolatron Insect Direction Scully, saying, Nippy in your Monday milk.